Hi Swordnutters, welcome to Swordnut Radio. This episode is the latest in our Useful Sticks series. In this occasional series, we muse and wax lyrical about weapons and other bits of kit you can use to enhance your game, your character, and all sorts of things, and have lots of fun in ways that you might not have thought of before. In this episode, me and Dave sit down and geek out about firearms, although I still manage to talk about swords quite a lot. Before the episode starts, though, I'd like to give a great big virtual hug to Gamers Plane. The Gamers Plane is essentially a web forum for play-by-post RPGs. There is a thriving and growing community there who are setting up games all the time in loads of different systems. Rohit, the chap who runs it, is also quite enterprising and tends to go and ask game developers and such to let him use things like official character sheets and rule sets and reference documents so that your experience can be pretty close to that at the tabletop. So head on over to gamersplane.com. They also do giveaways and all sorts because they're awesome. I'd also like to let you know that God's Fall are having a competition this week. So if you're listening during the week beginning Monday the 10th of October 2016, head on over to godsfall.com for full details on how you can win a dice tower by Wormwood Gaming worth about $200. And the reason it's worth about $200 is it all just sort of snaps together with magnets and it is, it's flat out magic. But I, I refuse to believe it's science, it is magic. And the one they're giving away right now is made from some lovely pieces of American black walnut. I mean, it's really nice. Guys, I used to be a carpenter. It, I, I really like this. I would buy this if I weren't poor. So head on over to godsfall.com or listen to Godsfall episode 45 to get the details. One last thing, in the last episode and this episode you'll hear a slightly different intro music. This is a piece of music again by Louis Brabus and the Bedlam Six that we're thinking of using as our general intro before we do our kind of campaign specific intros. So let us know what you think, if you like it, if you don't like it, if we should just get rid entirely just you know drop us a line with those comments and any comments or feedback you have about this episode at swordnutradio at gmail.com that's swordnutradio at gmail.com or on twitter at swordnutradio right on with the show this useful stick is about firearms bang 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 pew 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 useful stick um wherein we talk about using things that aren't necessarily supposed to be used for that thing and what gets me every time about role-playing games is that it's the wizard with his cantrips mm. who gets to use them in interesting ways oh yeah that's when you play a wizard you get to do all sorts of exactly manipulations so, so you've got press the digitation how often has press the digitation been the difference in someone's game <laughs> but mage hand yeah um but what about the melee weapons and the bits and pieces that, that we that we use as martial characters or say as modern characters or in low magic setting or no magic setting? What can you do with those bits and pieces? And um because we've got a reasonable amount of real world experience, mm. um, we can bring that in. And what I'm always conscious of is is saying no. And you hear it a lot from people who do know about lots of things like if you're sat with an engineer around a table and <laughs> you're, you're doing something that involves blowing up a bridge or, or doing or constructing oh, it's like yeah, yeah there's go nope can't do that can't do that can't do that and well okay you know what fine you know I've, I've been that guy but 
So have I. Many, many, <laughs> yeah. many. Particularly with Joe in 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 our uh, Cthulhu games because it's nineteen twenties and, and I seem to know a lot more about twenties than anyone else. It's like Fire the concrete cars, things, yeah. like uh, in the twenties. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have a Tommy gun. You know you could mail order them in the twenties. <laughs> Yeah, everyone thinks the 1920s <laughs> is the 1930s or 40s. Yeah. Uh, the, the 20s were very different. We we had a, a discussion between me and Biddy where um, it, we actually aborted it completely and just scrapped the recording because we were doing swords and talking about swords and things. And it was just me talking about swords for two hours and Biddy asked me the odd question. like, And it was, wasn't very interesting. Um, so what we did was ask um, for lots of questions or people's gripes and stuff like that. Mm. And that led to an interesting discussion and, and a conclusion which was if real world knowledge adds to your game then it's fine if it takes away from your game then that's not fine so because you're playing a game you should be able to do stuff but also it's not just about saying yes all the time it's about adding complications so if like you know full well that something is not possible well then the dm can use that to say do you know what we are stretching reality because you know you're in a world with goblins and shit. Who cares if that <laughs> that that bridge really needs you know a certain amount of weight either end and all? And no, fuck it. So, um, but but you can say you can add to the game by bringing a complication from saying no. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have to try extra hard, or if it fails, there's ammunition for the the GM to make it fail in an interesting way. Well, yeah, like like your favorite. I mean, I know I'm porting Star Wars to to the real world, but you know, shoot the lock. Mm. Um, very much depending upon what ammunition you use and what kind of lock it is, the results could be very interesting. Now, you see, Biddy is very very much against <laughs> that. Um, well, shooting the lock. I mean, in Star Wars, you're you're dealing with um, fictional weapons, fictional locks. We don't have the, yeah, the we don't know the physics of it with real guns and real locks. People have done experiments about this shit, exactly. and I've watched the documentaries. So Thank it, you, Mythbusters. <laughs> so it's up to you, so it's up to you to figure out in your setting what's going on. This is why me and Biddy have this argument all the time: mm. is in the real world, yes, shooting a lock simply renders the lock non-functional. In so not in, always uh, shoot it enough times, and it will actually knock the lock out, mm. which will then release the bolt in 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 a simple bolt lock. Mm. No, no, there's quite a bit of shrapnel <laughs> from from lead hitting steel, uh, you know. Um, but like, and if you have a shotgun, you're better off shooting um, the hinges. Mm. They have they have special breaching rounds where they just bang, bang, and the hinges, and they just knock the door off and screw the lock. Yeah. The thing in in Star Wars, though, and it's not if you shoot the lock, no matter what what you want is going to happen. It's specifically in Star Wars. If you go through the whole of Star Wars, the whole of Clone Wars, the whole of Rebels. Um, and any other like Christmas fucking special or whatever. Yeah. And go scene for scene. Whenever a lot gets shot, the thing that happens was the intended thing. <laughs> so, and Biddy always brings out that, like, oh, well, when, you know, they, they shoot the, the locking mechanism, uh, in the first one, um, and the, the bridge fails to retract. Yeah, that's the complication. But it but does slow it, down the door opening. It did the thing that he wanted. He wanted. He didn't want the bridge to extend. He wanted the door to close. So he shot the lock, and that happened. <laughs> so, um, and it's like it goes down to like if you put a lightsaber into the locking mechanism, if you throw a rock yeah. at the locking mechanism in Star Wars, every single time somebody destroys a lock in some way, it does the exact thing you want. I was going to say this is one of the things that I meant to look at, um, pursuant to our last Star Wars game. What is the, 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 the mythological physics 
the the mythological mechanism of blasters? Is it oh. like an energy packet? Is it? Uh... It is energized Tabana gas that is um, bound up with a with a laser pulse of some sort, which is then focused through a crystal, and it just and it goes out, which is why it has a finite speed. It's not a light yeah. speed, you know, laser pulse, which would be at the speed of light and invisible and soundless and very boring. Exactly. Um, it is this this energized bit of gas in. The the the, the, the uh, and that's that's why the Tabana gas mine that Lando runs is all and they just sort of I think they just sort of couple those together. All right, I never made that connection. So he's a he's a, he's he's not an arms dealer. He's he's an ammunition dealer. Essentially, essentially and I think Tabana gas is used as fuel in 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 um, right. light speed drives and things like that. But it, I think they just had to sort of like make it work. They just chose some cool names and all that. But the the limitation they were working with is in the filming. It's certainly in the first one they were using real weapons yeah. that were retrofit and um, sort of spiced up to make it look like other things, and to give them muzzle flash because it was, I suppose now it's probably still would be would be less expensive, but less expensive than putting it in post mm. and making the thing go off. Like this, we'll give it a muzzle a muzzle flash. So um, they used blanks. Yeah. So they use blanks. Um, I mean, there's a tiny bit of recall and stuff, so it looks better on screen. You know when people are shooting at you, and for the actors, it's a lot better to react to. Yeah, um, because they don't go bang. It. Is 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 yeah. very. If you've ever done it, it's it's your reaction is subconscious. I mean, for mm. for, for movies like um, in Underworld, where they really very much wanted all the actors to walk around blazing away with these guns and not blink, that took weeks of practice just to not blink. Yeah. every time a gun goes off near you. And flinch slightly is is hard. They, you know, the weapons are visceral gut things. I mean, I, I've I've lived around <laughs> weapons. I haven't shot weapons very much, but I have lived around them. Sort of being an army brat and lived next to firing ranges and, and having the big booms go off all the time. And it took it took not very long for the blink thing to go away. But it's, I still flinch a little bit when I when I hear a big boom. And, oh, that wasn't something falling over. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Like, like to this day, my my flinch reaction is not. This is not from a lifetime of martial arts. This is from a lifetime of living around weapons. My flinch reaction is not to come up high and protect my head and do all sort of like ah and jump and and whatever that that might be actually quite sensible to do. Uh, my flinch reaction is to get low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hit the deck. Yeah. Like I have slept through thunderstorms like you wouldn't believe. But living in Bradford, I bolted up out of bed and was out and dressed and ready to go because what seemed like a firecracker went off but it wasn't a firecracker it was <laughs> it was small arms fire um and that being so out of place you know right intruder mode but um i was gonna say just go back because never so so it's to bend gas but what happens what happens when it impacts the, the the blasters is, is it is it focused energy um dispersion is it is it explosive is it um, honestly, I don't know because it's depicted in some cases as being um, a burn. In a lot of things, it's burning, and they talk about carbon yeah. scoring. And if, and if it's carbon, there's obviously some burning going some burning on. Burning going on, and um, then yet at other points, it's it's digging divots out of walls. And yeah, I so mean, if, there's a little bit of flame in the divots, and I think it's I think it's the gas that gives it the mass. Yeah, to do percussive damage, and it's the laser that gives it the heat for the burn. So um, there's also possibly that that um, they, they obviously didn't intend this, but like the uh, laser ablation. So mm. when you destroy something with a laser, you're actually burning off the first few layers and those explode outwards and clear out and you, you keep doing that. Um, so in a focused packet, there would at least be an element of laser ablation as well as the, the percussive impact of the, the Tabana gas because people do 
fall over backwards and fly backwards when you're hitting these things. Mm. And there's the distinction between the blaster and a bolt thrower. Um, yeah. So you get you do get things that do actually throw a bolt with some energy around it. But I think that all of that um, winding around and trying to trying to figure that out logically was also a reaction to the actors when they'd see a blast go off and you've got this thing of like, there's the gun goes off, the actor then ducks. Yeah. How? So if this was a, a light speed thing, then they wouldn't be able to duck or whatever, but, but they do this and they go, oh yeah, I'm just ducking around these things. Like that makes no sense unless there's a finite speed. And I think they figured out on Mythbusters or something, it's actually really slow. Yeah. Blasters are, you know, they would not make particularly effective weapons of war in real Precisely, life. Precisely, yeah. And and people are reacting and the Jedi's are reacting to these things. And I suppose there's, there's supposed to be some precognition to it and they're batting away the yeah. blaster things. But in you essence- do get it, You do get occasions where non-precogs, like, uh, is, is it because um, Grievous is a non-precog? He doesn't actually have any force powers, but mm. he can yeah. flick stuff away. Uh, yeah, but there are also, certain species that have just such fast reflexes yeah. they're able to do it. But you see Luke, before he gets any real training, duck a blaster bolt. You see Han Solo um, swerve around a, a blaster bolt. Yeah. And so um, I think they had that, because that, that was an acting choice to do, or a directorial choice to do, is like, we'll have to make this slow. So mm. we have to make it dodgeable. Um, which makes a lot of sense, and it's, I suppose it's also slightly cheaper uh, <laughs> when, you're, when you're rotoscoping yeah. these things. Or maybe it would be cheaper just to rotoscope a line but they had to make it animated and, and move. Um, and then there's the difference of if, you, uh, if you've if you got a, a, a squib that's triggered by an electrical impulse in the gun, which is how they do it these days. But back when they were doing it then, they sort of have the, the gun go off and then someone would have to trigger the squib in the wall. And they might be very good at the timing, but it's certainly not going to be absolutely simultaneous. No. So they'd, they'd have to figure that out. Um We've gone off on one so far on. Yeah. So there are there are nerds out there who are at this moment, <laughs> well... Creaming. Yes. Either creaming or criticizing or the, both. The, they've started writing letters, not emails. <laughs> so someone is that enraged, they got a fucking fountain pen out. <laughs> they have to figure out how to use it now. So um, if you're using Fire, and, and what, what I want to do at some point as well is um, do a video of some of the things you might talk about where I've got a stick in place of firearms so that I can do these various combat things. But um, certainly for the, for the longsword stuff, you just have to show it. You can't talk about it. It's just, it's too difficult because people don't have a reference for it. Um, but I want to talk about small arms. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything that you, could, that you can carry in your hands, basically. We're not talking field artillery. So by the way, it's my preferred form of single combat. To- uh, saw meaning squad portable automatic weapon down to a you know a, a 38 pissant 38 revolver police issue from uh mm. 1920s yeah uh so all the, all the stuff that you you could you could reasonably hump around um on your person mm. and uh and can or maybe conceal that sort of stuff so <clears throat> um and and it's about bringing stuff we know to say Hey, this is how you can make your game a little bit more interesting. This is how you can flavor your characters more. Like, not just how you can get mechanical advantage out of it, but how you can get flavor out of these things. Because how many times has an archer in D and D go, "Well, I'm just going to lob off another arrow at this guy." Yeah, like, no, come on, like hit him with my bow. Okay, roll a die. Yeah, your bow breaks that. So, <laughs> um, but but vengeful you, DM strikes again. Except the but you hit someone with a bow, the bow breaks. You're now left with two sticks and a very strong string. So you garrot the fucker. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and you start hitting them with, with these, these splintered ends of wood, you know, so just go for the jugular and stuff. And it's an unexpected strike. Why the fuck not? Um, so I, I want to bring a couple of things. And, and the background here is that my dad, um, was in the army. And one of the things he did, uh, when he was in the army was he taught hand to hand combatives and arrest and restraint techniques mm-hmm. as well as, the more unpleasant stuff. Um, yes. How to kill a person using your thumbs. He referred to it as the noble art of brookie, but picking up the nearest heavy object and killing <laughs> someone with it. Um, Ash repeatedly overhead. My first martial arts lesson was given by my dad, and it wasn't how to stand, it wasn't how to punch someone, it was how to break someone's neck. <laughs> <laughs> the phrase, it ain't worth it, son. <laughs> it's a whole new meaning. <laughs> you don't know how to throw a punch, but you can kill that person. So... Um, one of the things that, that he showed me with um, uh, the standard firearm of, of the British Army is the uh, SA-80. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a, a medium-length rifle, uh, yep. assault rifle, um, with lots of weird plastic shit on it. <clears throat> and he was mm. showing uh, me this, this technique where it's... It took just, about three versions till it actually worked. Yes. Um, but he showed me this technique where it's like someone has grabbed you from behind and you're essentially a peacekeeping role. Uh, this is ostensibly for Northern Ireland, you know, riots and all that stuff. And you don't really want to shoot people, but you've got this <laughs> weapon. Um, so it's how do you use that weapon without just shooting at someone? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and one of the things that um, he showed me was if someone grabs you from behind, if someone grabs you from behind and pins your weapon um, to you, or you're, you're holding it across your body, which or, or sort of downwards as you should do, um, then what have you got to play with? And the technique he showed me was was you do this kind of like you drop and shrug and you're bringing their arms up your body so you can get your elbows underneath their arms. And then you've got a decent range of motion with this weapon, which is now essentially a stick. So you take it, um, reverse it in your hands. So it's basically pointed at you and you hope to God you remember that you should keep your safety, <laughs> you on. safety on. Yeah. <laughs> and you put it underneath your armpit like you're just going to thread it through. Yeah. Because at that angle, it's going to intersect with a particular point on their chest. Um, and it's just going to guide it there. Um, and it's, it's, it's really hard not to get that. Um, and that is a pressure point. In fact, it's a nerve plexus. There's, there's different types of pressure point, but there's a, uh, and there's a lot of bullshit about pressure points, but mm. essentially if you poke it and it really fucking hurts, it's a pressure point. Um, and there's one that has um, an artery underneath it, and the one that has a nerve plexus underneath it. That's 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 your difference. And this one kind of has both going on. Uh, and it's, so it's it's just a point on the chest. Is that I'm the not, one that's sort of thereish, sort uh, of like just under your uh, the, pectorals it, to the right. It's not quite the one underneath your armpit. It's right. it's it's the one that is um, around your nipple. I'm not going to say exactly where because I don't want to educate people that much. But it's it's, it's around the nipple. To be fair, you can Ow, probably find it. Found it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Stupid. And you, just, you, sort of, <laughs> you sort of poke in, and the idea is you just sort of like go uh, 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 until someone behind you goes ah, and then you start pressing hard. And he was telling me about this when he was teaching people this this thing. And bear in mind, Squatty's train. <laughs> See, that hurts. I just doesn't like. Where is it? Poke, poke, oh! <laughs> <laughs> just, that'll get a fool to hurt himself. Yes, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, the. the the, the, the squaddies who are training to do this are training for situations they know are going to be life-threatening. So they train hard and they train diligently because mm. they know they're going to have to rely on this at some point. So um, they don't learn a right lot, but they learn it well. 
And uh, as someone who started training martial arts and had to uh, do it with squaddies, mm, 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 they did mm. not pull... Uh, like a 12-year-old kid, nope, I'm still going to dislocate your face. <laughs> so um, he just sort of put around with this, and he was, he was saying that he was demonstrating on this, this big guy uh, to just to demonstrate that it doesn't matter about the strength the guy has. It's just you get the leverage, you get you know the, the freedom of movement there, and then you can do this. Because um, unless he can lift you, your entire body weight... While you're jerking around, mm. so like a cup, so maybe twice your body weight as you sort of like drop out from under him. There's not a lot he can do to stop you slipping, um, and he'd have to be expecting it as well to brace for it. So he's like, okay, well, I'm going to stick this here and I'm going to do this, um, and I'm not going to go too hard. So you know, just just whenever it starts getting uncomfortable, you can you can let go. Um, and the idea is it's supposed to cause such discomfort that that people will let go and try and try and find another way to subdue you, and that gives you the opportunity to turn around and slot them with the butt end of the gun. But this guy wasn't letting go. He's like, "Okay, you, you're going to need to to let go now." He went, "No, I'm, I'm all right, sir. I'm all right. I can I can do this." And he goes, "Well, okay, to your funeral." And just went ink <laughs> and just just moved it in half inch. And because there's an artery. And the nerve plexus under there, it overloaded the nerve plexus and stopped up the artery for a very, very short amount of time, which is a dangerous thing to do. Yeah. Um, because you interrupt the blood flow going to various important places. And this guy just went, Oh. And all the strength went out of one side of him. And so it's the way, the way he tells it is he's just, he probably just let him fall to the ground. But the way he tells it is he turned around and sort of like propped him up and was like, Okay, I'm going to let you down to the ground now because <laughs> half of his body stopped working. Um, so that's interesting. And I, I like the idea of if you've got a weapon, mm. any weapon, you have a thing in your hands that gives you leverage because you got you can get two hands on it and that allows you to do all sorts of things um, and use it in grappling. So grappling is often given as like, this is where the fun stops in RPG. Yeah. Let's get the grapple rules out. It's like, do you know what? I am going to choose to stay in this grapple and I'm going to make an attack. And you can flavor that, you can mechanic that however you want in your system just to allow you to do that and talk to your GM about it and say, I want these options going into, into the grapple. But how about if someone grapples me and I've got a gun, I'm not just trying to shoot the person there. I can use it to um, wrap up his arms. I can use, like, I've got a pistol. I've got a right angle and I've got a very hard thing. Yeah. So I can, so someone grabs my chest, for example, and I have a pistol um, or, or, well, no one grabs your chest, or grabs your scruff of your neck or whatever. Um, but there's a time on a tradition if someone grabs you by the scruff of your neck or, or, or by the, the front of your, your shirt, you just sort of put your finger onto the middle of their, the back of their, 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 their fist and you start pressing. And they go, huh? I don't know what this is. And then they go, oh, this is quite uncomfortable. And then, oh, I no longer can feel my hand. And, it gets the fool is doing it to himself again <laughs> it's irresistible isn't it it takes a while it does if you're doing it with a soft bit yeah there we go there's that just there it hurts it hurts now imagine you're doing that with the butt of a gun well yes um you have a little bit more leverage on it. You've got mm. um, a bit more oomph on there and you can put more pressure on it because your joints aren't moving in response. Sure. You know, you're not pressing in with your own knuckle. Um, well, I mean, if you have, again, there's 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 a lot of other things, fun things you could do as well. I mean, there's, there's that, you've got the hard bit, but people don't think, I mean, whether it's an automatic or it's a revolver, 
being either side of the weapon when it goes off is is very unpleasant mm-hmm. uh, for various different reasons. With the revolver, you've got significant gas seepage between the um, the cylinder and the barrel. Um, so you could quite easily just just put the pistol. For non-experts, the cylinder being the turny bit with the, the turny bit with the bullets in it. No, <laughs> yeah. So so there's a little get there's a tiny little gap. But I mean, we're talking about gases at extreme high pressures here. Mm-hmm. So there's a tiny little gap, and there's 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 quite a lot of very very hot gases expanding out of that to either side. So if you wanted to be really mean, all you have to do is put your revolver. But you don't want to shoot the guy in the gut or something. Just just sort of. Touch the revolver to the side of his arm and pull the trigger, <laughs> and it it would it would break flesh. It would be in a, you know it, it would it would burn the living shit it out would of him as break well. a finger if it was wrapped around it. Like so, if someone grabbed your gun or something, you've pulled the trigger. <clears throat> um, it, it, that would depend on the size of the firearm. The only sort of testing I've seen again, thank you, Mythbusters, is like a a, a pistol that is so big that no one would ever use it in real yeah. life. It's one of those sort of pointless. You know, deer hunting pistols, dirty which Harry just, just no, no, like three times dirty hair. Forty-four <laughs> Magnum is one thing. This thing actually fires rifle shells. <laughs> you know, it just, just, just why the fuck not? Because why the fuck not? It, it is a why the fuck not pistol. Um, that certainly looks like it would break fingers. It's a wrong pistol. It's yeah, it's it's you know, it's it's the kind of thing that va- you know, a super. Strength the vampire would use in some kind of mythology, but it's, even it's, then, it's, it's, it's Biddy's hammer. You know, uh, Biddy's uh, Dark Heresy character. Yes, it's, it's, it's a wrong hammer. That he's got. <laughs> it's, it's a, it is, it is the real world equivalent of a role play hammer. Yes, yeah. uh, uh, completely unfit to purpose, <laughs> but probably quite a lot of fun. Or you know, with with, um, uh, with automatics, the the slide, the violent slide, slide cuts. Are again, they they hurt. Mm. You know, you've got these things flashing back. Uh, with, particularly with early forty fives, people that didn't know what they're doing would grip would grip it too high, and they'd get nasty cuts. Even 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 uh, severed tendons in uh, what, what do you call this bit? Uh, the, the the web the of, webbing between the, yeah. b- between your thumb and your index finger. If that was too Squeeze high, that hard. Yeah, I know that one. <laughs> I, that one I know. Um, uh, if you do it, if you do it gently, though, and here's a self help thing for our listeners: if you do it gently, it releases a small amount of endorphins. If you just massage it a little bit, um, so again, if you just press the press the slide of an automatic to someone, or you know, if you really want to be nasty and destroy someone's ear, just 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 hold the gun next to their ear and pull the trigger, and that will rupture your eardrum and probably you know do some serious permanent hearing damage to whatever ear you're doing that to. And and point blank as well, if you're using blanks, you can flat out kill someone. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the, the you, you hear about these accidents of of film stars and stuff getting shot, like Brandon Lee or whatever, he got shot with a gun on the set of The Crow. I guarantee you there was not a live round anywhere near that film set. Apparently, that was live rounds. Was it? Fuck, that was who live the fuck rounds. Live rounds. I don't know, uh, but that's that. That scene is now why they almost always any any responsible uh, set dresser or props master actually uses modified weapons that will no longer accept. Um, They've got live they blockage in the, in the They've the either barrel. got blockage in the barrel, which is kind of the dangerous solution, or they actually shorten the... Uh, this is where my technical knowledge of guns... They, they actually shorten the, the sort of the reception chamber um, so it'll only accept blank. So so essentially, if you put a mm. real gun in, the, the slide won't completely close, yeah. which means it won't cock. The slug is longer uh, yeah. in a real... Slug, um, shells with slugs are longer than blanks. Yeah. Um, so, this is the. But yeah, that, if, that you, if, you, if you shot someone, you know, at at, at um, 
if you put a, you know, it wouldn't have to be very high caliber, but let's say you put a 44, 45, 9 mil with a blank round in con- flesh con- direct flesh contact with someone's head and pull the trigger, almost certainly kill them. Hmm. Um, so there's um, a few things about using not firing a bullet at someone. So you've got the gases there. So if you want to just be mean, you can do that. So if you want to just give someone a burn, you can give someone a burn. Um, but also there's things like um, if if you as a DM want to say, oh, I'm just going to scare this guy by shooting near him or whatever. It's like, okay, you're not going to roll. Or you've just deafened him. Can't do much interrogating now. You've got a bit of paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sort of stuff. Uh, uh, and just and, and bring it out. It depends if, if you've got a really gritty game. Yeah. That sort of, and, and you want to throw something in front of your players that's going to make them think on their feet. Um, using that inside knowledge of, of firearms and weaponry and, and engineering, whatever, is great. You yeah. can do that. Um, but never punish them for not knowing those things. Unless it's amusing. Yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> it's rule of cool, isn't it? So I mean, yeah, there, there are so many things with firearms that bugs me that that, that you get misconceptions in in movies. You know, if someone is with within arm's reach hmm. and you've got a gun, um, there are so many ways to disarm someone. There's so many techniques. There's an old adage um, in in martial arts and stuff when people talk about oh, if someone's got a gun, are you pretty much fucked? Or it's like, well, you don't have to be faster than the weapon, and this applies to all weapons. You don't have to be faster than the weapon. You have to be faster than the person employing that weapon. Yeah. And a very large degree of the speed that that person has is their willpower, is their willingness to kill another human being or do something that's going to viscerally harm another human being very close to them. Mm. And there's a lot of good statistics out there that show we're not very good at doing that as a species, Mm. and it's quite reassuring. It's also decision time. Mm. So if you can manage to come to a decision to attempt to disarm. Training or no training, even if it's just literally, you know, like, bring your arm up, knock the weapon away, arm block. Uh, if you're able to do that without telegraphing, so you reach a decision, unless the person you're up against is very highly trained, their You've got the drop recognition that, time added to their decision time is more than enough time for you to knock that gun away. There's um the the English school of longsword uh, has that built into it is the idea of you set up a um this is, this is still very theoretical at the moment it's, it's almost conjectural because it's all written in code because it was illegal uh the um the idea is that you set up uh, a pattern you do something twice then you do it in reverse twice and then you break it so you do something twice and then the third time you break that pattern when was this illegal. Uh, in the 1500s. Why was it? Unchivalrous, I suppose. No, no, because you, you should have been practicing your archery. Ah. It was illegal to have a sword school, so nobles yeah, got away yeah, with it yeah, because yeah. they just got someone to come and teach them. Um, and that's not a school. So um, the listeners can see my inverted commas. Yes, airbonies. <laughs> Why all these rabbits? Uh, so um, if you if you're sort of finding yourself with a, a gun sort of pressed to your head and, you're, you know, sort of some, you know, you're in a Mexican standoff or whatever. Something as simple as looking from one place to another is enough to set up an expected reaction. So you're looking from one place to another, look from one place to another, and then you look somewhere else. Um, and that moment of something changing engages that person in a decision-making process. And I've had it happen to me where I think I've got someone, I think I've got them red. And then they change that 
thing and they change their, their their rhythm they change their 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 approach just on the on a half beat or something and they literally disappear in front of me because i can't track them with my my eyes could track them i probably could see them but my brain can't track them so they are literally not there and then i get hit mm. and then i look around and they're, they're, they're the side of me or behind me or something I'm like did you just teleport <laughs> so um if, if you've got someone who is really really good or a character who's really good at all social stuff they could actually be pretty good at combat by using these little social tricks these social engineering tricks to get past yeah that that stage so and you can have someone who's, who's an absolutely rubbish shot but could walk up to someone and have them absolutely convinced they are further away i can do it um there's, there's a body language that goes into it and there's a lot of literature on this stuff but there's a lot of body language in in just saying, "Oh, I'm just going to go off here, a couple of inches over here, and put my shoulders down, or walk with yeah. a short step, things like that." And I'm not going to make eye contact. I'm going to show the neck as I go in. All those little things, and you can socially engineer getting to within killing distance of someone yeah. before they realise that you are, before they can put their defence up. Now, just just sort of bring it back to relevance in the RPG. What kind of situations do you see? using this kind of knowledge or permitting. I mean, to me, this means sort of like, one, it's descriptive, which just makes the game better for mm. everyone involved. It makes it cooler. It makes it more involved. It it gi- it could give a sort of very bland character. You know, sneak is sneak is such an annoying skill. Yeah. In, I would in say. In the game. So, but but also, as a, so as a player, it just gives you so much more sort of justification for your sneak skills or your social skills. For a DM, this is the kind of shit I would be handing out bonus dice for. <laughs> I, I would say that if you are a, a charisma-based character, then that is largely social skill, right? Um, it's not just he's really good looking. It's just it's it's a reflection of your social skill. Um, so if you're a charisma-based character, you're probably not that great at combat. Yeah. Um, yeah, thinking of the, obviously the bard or uh, or the the warlock or whatever. The fucking bard. Yeah, the but if, bard. if Biddy came to me and said, because he's had these lessons, he's I've slapped him in the face before. Um, if he came to me, if he came, was approached a, a combat and said, "I am going to try and sneak up to this guy straight in front of him as he's looking at me, mm. and I'm going to stab him, and he's not going to know," then I would make him roll a charisma check instead of a, instead of a stealth. So, I mean, it's not a hide check. It's not a thing no. to say, I, well, I can hide in combat and get an advantage. No, like, make your charisma check to socially engineer getting close to this guy with your body language, with, with the way you approach, with all these setups. Um, and you can, you absolutely can get into that killing range before they recognize that you're a, a, a legitimate threat. Mm. Unless um, they're Secret Service trained or something. You know? Yeah, or they're constantly thinking. And if they're constantly thinking, then do you know what? You're giving everyone else an advantage because... This person is no longer acting on training and instinct. They're operating on the slower thinking. Yeah. And thinking about everything they're doing and trying to monitor things that are going on. So, yeah, I have it. Um, likewise, with, I think let, let's try and bring this back to firearms, shall we? So, let's yeah. get into, into a modern setting or a 40K setting, maybe. So, this, this is why, for example, with, with Elvis, I was always going about, I want the biggest gun I can have. Yeah. Not because I'd be any good at it. Like, there are obviously guns there that, like a, a heavy bolt or something, would just shatter my rib cage if I if I used it. <laughs> Very um, much so. But uh, and and this is a thing with maybe Pash or whatever, and 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 in in the the Star Wars game that we were playing, which probably wouldn't have come out uh, at this point, um, where the weapon that you have 
only half of its utility, or maybe less than its utility, is actually hurting people and killing people. Most of the effect of having a weapon comes from having that weapon. Comes from the scare factor of, oh boy. Exactly. You know, that whole, just the whole kind of the armed society is a polite society. And evidence would suggest from several thousand years that an armed society is a high mortality society. High, definitely high mortality. <laughs> uh, but it's the nobles who die, so I don't care. Um, <laughs> if anyone who would argue with that, in 1800, if you were a noble in Europe, you had a one in four chance of dying in a duel. That's why they outlawed it. Not because people were dying, because the wrong sort of people were dying. <laughs> so, um, not that that stopped them. <laughs> so it's 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 not just that it's used in combat; it's it's used out of combat. So, so much of it's also of, very much a designator of of, of status, purpose, is, yeah. and not quite personality, but it's like this is you know you get pigeonholed. It's it's a pigeonhole. As soon as you see are seen walking around heavily armed that forms a great deal of, of, of a person's perception of who you are and what you do. Hmm. You know, it doesn't matter if you're, you're an office clerk, if you're wearing full body armor and an, and an AK-47, people aren't going to think, hmm, office clerk. There's a, there's a certain <laughs> amount of profiling. There's a certain uh, amount of profiling. <laughs> so uh, it, co- it goes into, okay, you walk into a city. The vast majority of people in that city, unless you've established that in your world, you can assume the vast majority of people in that city are not armed, or at least not formally armed. People might have an eating knife, they might have a pen knife, they might, you know, something, um, or, or they might an have oyster a oyster shucker, you know, depending upon yeah, um, a, a netting knife. Uh. Yeah. Um, so the, the oyster shucker being what the scheme do, the Scottish scheme do, is it's not for uh, fighting at all, it's for no. uh, eating oysters. Um it doesn't so, keep it from being a nasty ass weapon. It doesn't. Um, it it does mean it's not that effective because when you get slick with blood, it'll slide through your hand because it doesn't have a cross guard. Oh, of course, it doesn't have a cross guard. Yeah. Um, so th- this 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 idea of it's it sets you up socially. So you walk yeah. into a city, you're bristling with arms. So um, let's say it's um, we're doing a we're doing a Dresden game, and it's modern day. Um, slight, you know, a fan- fantasy take on modern day, but hard-boiled stuff. Sort of hard- hard-boiled uh, investigative... Yeah, Sam Spade meets... Gandalf. Gandalf. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, it, it's... Oh, Alice through the looking glass, maybe. Um, you're, you're, you're going around, you've got a rifle, somehow. Yeah. Well... Surely, even if if you've set it in uh, an open carry an open state, carry state. Let's yes. get let's get that out of the way. Just, just going to go down to Applebee's with my fully automatic assault rifle. Yeah, if this if, if you're you know, offended, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you if, if you need to take a, a fully automatic assault rifle to um, to Walmart, you got you got some problems. You've got issues. Uh, so, and we know what they are. <laughs> I'm making the gesture with my pinky, meaning you have a small penis. <laughs> And this is from someone who fucking loves guns. You know, don't get me wrong. I love guns. Yeah. But the people I ask, have a ask brain. me the question all the time is if like as a sword person, mm. if you were allowed to carry a sword or whatever, like would you? And, well, no. no. Why would I? It's it's awkward to carry. It just goes everywhere like it would be very cool. And I well, if someone said you were allowed to carry a sword, I would carry a sword for a day and I'd be like, I got a sword. And then I'd realize this is really stupid. Yeah, I, I like. I might just for the sake of it, just like carry a saber for a day, and then realize, hang on a second, getting in and out of cars is pretty difficult. Yes, <laughs> and walking around Primark, <laughs> it's like, that thing's going everywhere. I'm getting a lot of looks, and I'm English. I'm going to say sorry four hundred times in that day. 
above the usual 300. Yes. And uh, yeah, and so I, mean, I do have a little bit of a fantasy of just, just once, just before they ban it, please let's ban it. Uh, I do want to walk down the high street of somewhere in Texas just with an open carry pistol. Mm. Just to say, you know, tell the grandkids I did it. Yes, those were stupid times, but it was sure fun. So, so with your, your loadout, you can kind of, um, establish how people are going to perceive you in, mm. in the world that you're in. So if you are, um, somebody who, who wishes to have a reputation in a town, well, instead of the rogue carrying all of his knives, um, you know, secreted about his person or, um, I don't want to get back to firearms or, you know, having uh, the, the little um, stub revolver or something hidden in a sock is, you know, you carry that shit. Are you overt? Uh, are you? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's, that is actually one of the things that I do like about the Dark Heresy system uh, in the second edition is there's there's a second second thing. And now I haven't used it very much because I tend to, one, we haven't done a lot and I haven't done a diverse pl- settings either with Halby Roll or um, Sword Nut. But there is a, a second track, a secret track that the DM keeps, which is subtlety. Mm. And the group has to have a conversation about, you know, how they go about things, whether they're overt, whether they're covert. And, and I take into account how they're equipped and how they're and everything into that, which is really cool because suddenly there is a serious disadvantage to things you can't hide. You know, if you're all wearing carapace armor, you're not subtle. And, and even that if words going to get around, you know, and words going to get around there, you know, th- we don't know who they are. They're not, even if you don't like openly emblazon everywhere that you have inquisition, you know, tattooed on your forehead and, uh, you know, carrying around exotic weapons, you can't hide that you're wearing plate mail. Hmm. <laughs> and suddenly all these, the, the, the more subtle armors, the, you know, the, the, the armored body glove, the, the subdermal armor, the things like that suddenly makes sense. Like, oh, why would I ever, you know, take two damage, uh, soak? When I could have five damage soak. Oh, so I wouldn't get clocked on every single street corner <laughs> and, you know, attract enemy assassins like a fly to honey. Absolutely. And also there's going to be that the change in people's attitudes towards you, not just in the sense of recognizing you're dangerous, but recognizing you're loaded. Mm. If you've got weapons, weapons are expensive in any particular society. The the, the peak weapons that you're going to have are going to be expensive. Um, not least because they're luxury items. You don't necessarily need them. Where they're tools, they tend to be quite cheap. But in most civilized countries, most, most civilized settings, it is an accessory and it is a luxury. And so they tend to be priced quite high. So you're walking into town bristling with weapons. Yeah. yeah. Several years you know, worth of wages in, in weapons and armor. Absolutely. So someone's not going to mug you in the street, maybe. <laughs> But <laughs> depends on what neighborhood. Yeah, you're yeah absolutely. Yeah, uh, if you're in Detroit. So, but if someone just rolls up to you in a tank, but uh, certainly you might find that your hotel room has been gone over. Yes, absolutely. Got in all your vehicles because they know that the in that trunk is probably going to be the the bigger weapons or the nicer stuff or you know the the special stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe more things, because people who tend to spend money on firearms tend to also have Yeah, other surveillance gear uh, or, you know, various different... Drugs. Drugs, backups, I would, I would look for drugs, that's medical supplies. Yeah. All things that are very valuable. Um, and also things like cast iron IDs and uh, <laughs> very official um, uh, papers and documents and things. It is just sort of saying when you when you work around with a big ass gun. I mean, in most settings, so even a Dresden setting, uh, a 40k setting, uh, a fantasy setting, 
I mean, less with fantasy settings. It's one of the things that's always sort of, I have yet to, I would love to play a gritty fantasy setting. I haven't managed that yet with anyone. I would love a really sort of gritty, but in most, oh, you wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, in, in any sort of, if you, if you were to, to introduce an element of reality in, into a, a high fantasy setting, you know, walking into town, be it, you know, a wizard all regaled with a, with, with, you know, finely craft, um, mm. staff with crystal, with a crystal skull at the top. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's got these weapons that glow and shit. You know, this is all extremely valuable. Yeah. Plus, it just says, you know, it doesn't necessarily say why we're here. It doesn't say, but it certainly says we're here. Yeah. Hello. So, you know, your little pissant well, town, my sword is worth more than the whole fucking town, people. And that is historically pretty accurate as well. Um, the, I mean, oh, it, Roman soldiers would march up to a town, and one Roman, uh, just the steel uh, on legatio, yeah, yeah, was worth more than most towns. And, and it's sort of the equivalent. I, I heard a, an equivalent. It's like each soldier was carrying the equivalent value in today's money of an APC, <laughs> pretty much. So, uh, very different set of exchange values in those days. But, well, yeah, but sort of it was the value, you know, mm. probably even more so because your average bod throughout his lifetime could could probably amass you know if you amassed all the money a person earned in their entire lifetime you know if you're so middle classes you could probably buy no but, it, but someone today yeah the you know the, the entire income of their lifetime might be able to buy an, a, an apc mm. person those days you know their entire life's income couldn't yeah so <laughs> maybe they could have bought one of their swords as as, as the, the biggest tip to both dms and players if you are going into town bristling with kit and you're high level or whatever, there is one person who will shriek and run in fear and decry the witches. There's another person who sees an, a really good opportunity there. Yeah. But, um. And not even just, just to swindle them. It's like these guys have means. You get every huckster in town sidling up to them, offering them information. <laughs> Do you want to hear a cool archaeology story? Yes. All right. It's about that sort of exchange value and stuff. And to put this into context, um, about those, those values of things. There was a sort of Anglo-Saxon cemetery. I won't say it is Anglo-Saxon, but of that sort of period. And this was a time when weird things were happening in, in culture. Like things weren't settling down. People were, some people were converted to Christianity. Some people weren't. Some people doing their own thing. And there was a town, I say a town, a, a, a settlement where a colleague of mine actually um, was responsible for excavating this, this area just outside it. And it was a cemetery. Mm-hmm. And normally, um, it's the burials are either east-west, uh, Christians, uh, or north-south, pagans. These were all over the place. All over the place. They just happened to be sort of mainly along the, the contour lines. And there were people um, who were um, had their head taken off uh, and put between their legs. Um, but it wasn't an execution. It was... Post-mortem. The, uh, or perimortem. Um, so just at the, the the point of death, or just or just mm. after it, um, so the bones hadn't calcified. It wasn't like it wasn't um, what, what were they called? Um, oh Christ, I've forgotten the word now. But uh, where, where you 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 rebury the body essentially, dig it up and rebury it or move it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, these things were butchered, and you can tell from the cuts on the base of the skull that they were butchered lovingly. It was somebody who really knew what they were doing. And they took a lot of care over it. So this was something special that was happening to them rather than being, all right, we'll just execute you. Yeah. Which is what happened everywhere else where you find someone's head and their body in not in the same place. Sometimes, though, the head that was buried with the body wasn't from that person. <laughs> huh. 
you get you, you get someone somewhere there's like um the, the, like a man and a woman may have been a couple f- buried facing each other and their heads have been swapped over like and put between each other's knees and you get ones that are just nine in the afterlife i suppose <laughs> Um, <laughs> Not even sixty nine, but you know you get the yeah. idea. <laughs> but there's some where it's in a different grave entirely. Um, Sit on my face for eternity. Exactly. There was there was uh, four posts in a in a in a square, which means there's probably some sort of structure like a platform, or whatever. Yeah. And there was burials along each side of that square, hmm. head to toe, which is strange. Here's the strangest thing: there was a burial just outside the main body of this cemetery, just a little bit of an outlier which was a lot shallower than the rest. And there was a guy in there who's buried face down. Mm-hmm. He was wearing all of his clothes. Um, the great preservation there as well. A lot of this was still intact. Um, he had a money purse on him, which still had coins in it. He had all of his personal equipment with him. A lot of it rusted to fuck. But he had he was buried with all of his stuff face down, including a sword that was a pattern-welded sword. And this guy told me about this, and he said he's got it in his garage because he's, he's uh, the the company that did it ran out of money, so he's getting it finished as and when he can get funds together. And my first reaction was, I kid you not, it belongs in a museum. <laughs> I just realised what I just said. Went, oh, I didn't mean to quote Indiana Jones, but it does. So he's, he's got this pattern welded sword, and um, pattern welded you take iron and steel and sort of wrap them around each other and twist them, or whatever, and then you forge a sword out of that, and mm-hmm. it. It's essentially um, a very similar way to the way um, samurai swords were yeah. made. And yeah, I've seen, I've seen like the, jacket welding and all that. Is it the one where you twist it when it's still molten and then you yeah. beat out the sword? Uh, for those who, for those three people who've actually listened to the um, episodes I did, which were the short stories, um, the river sword and the serpent sword uh, in my head are, are pattern welded swords. Oh, they're called pattern welded because you can bring the relief up with acid. Yeah, you, 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 yeah, yeah, you yeah, etch yeah. it, um, and you, you see the difference in, in a. In a um, the stuff that is I know something about colors. swords. <laughs> <laughs> and this thing <clears throat> was a pattern welded sword. We're talking, he could have bought, uh, he probably would have been able to afford what's called a hundred, which is a, a, an administrative region. Mm-hmm. So been uh, could have bought himself a baronetcy, essentially. Uh, if, if not, you know, we're, we're talking stuff that Kings would have. These are not common weapons. And how valuable they were was well known at the time. Okay, this is not uncommon knowledge. This is like you see someone with one of these things. The the scabbards tend tend to be quite ornate, and yeah. he was buried with his scabbard. And it was so it's like instead of got rocks, it's got sword. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this 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 thing that he was carrying was essentially the equivalent of a Lamborghini. It was or um, um, a hypercar, a three quarters of a million dollar, a high end Breitling watch or something like that. This is <laughs> bling. And he was buried face down with a sword still at his at his hip, underneath him. They didn't take it off and place it on him. They didn't do something with it. It was or, almost like he was just dumped in a shallow grave. It was like everything. his throat was cut and he was pushed in. Huh. And they buried wealth that would have provided for that village for a generation. And nobody knows why. Fascinating. There is nothing in that place to explain why. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised, it, like the, the little documentary I saw about making those swords. It says you know it took like was it like thirty to sixty hours of a smith, probably like, a lot longer as well. Because um, these days you would get just get the steel in and the iron in. Uh, in those days you had to course. produce it, and and this is where the the folding steel comes in. Yeah, this is turning into a fucking sword thing. But um, you know, when well, you, I mean, you, firearms are 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 inherently simple. There's a lot of mechanics about how you use them. So it's like yeah. we're talking about. Like when you're talking about close range, you know, it's why 
Very few movies do this, but I so appreciate it when they do. You know, you always think, oh, why is he being cruel? Why is he clocking the guy with his pistol or doing a gut check with the pistol when he's in? That's just unnecessary. No. <laughs> if anyone is within grab range of your gun, you gut check him and you step back. <laughs> yeah. This this is um, a thing which happens when, when people get, well, it's called core a core. Yeah. Corpse a corpse, I suppose, if you're reading it, um, is uh, that moment in the film where they're fighting and fighting and fighting, and for whatever reason, they come really close, and it's usually sword fights when they come really close, and they're sort of, the swords are kind of making a V shape, and they're yeah. staring and through it. Start, you know, just think, just oh, you're kiss. going in for the kiss. You're just going kiss. in for the kiss, just aren't you? Just do it, just do it, just kiss it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Decapitation. <laughs> yeah. In, in the martial arts of the period, when you get that close, that's when your your feet come up and you start trying to collapse their knees. Yeah. And when they start thinking about their knees, you headbutt them, and then your quillens come up into that eye, and that you, you get fucking nasty at that range. It gets really bad at range. It's not because, a shoving match. Yeah, because once you get into the range of someone being able to grapple with a firearm, with um, a, a melee weapon, with whatever it is, mm. they no longer have to beat the quickness and the strength that that weapon gives you. All they have to do is beat your hand. Um, and if you want to beat your hand, well, <laughs> <laughs> so the the uh, that's a different kind of game. Um, there probably are those games out there. <laughs> Don't write in and tell me what they are. <laughs> so, um, so if you've got, uh, let, let's say you've got a uh, submachine gun type thing, you see, you've got like a an SMG, yeah, uh, some something about um, a foot and a half foot long, kind of yeah, yeah, foot and a half, I suppose it would be. Up to oh, two at, at minimum. I mean, you're, a foot and a half, you're talking about an MPK, which is, yeah, a spray yeah. and pray at close range kind of yeah. thing. Some, some, something that is is almost uncontrollable with one hand. Definitely need to get another hand on it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. It's a little, little <laughs> gun story. Every movie I ever watched, you know, and, and you know, is probably going back to like late 80s, early 90s movies, and they use Uzis. Hmm. And I'm always like, why the fuck are you holding Newsy like that? Why are you sort of gripping it, cupping it, you know, sort of under your arm towards right, <laughs> right at your belly button level? Why are you doing that? That is not the way you use a weapon. You can't aim. You can't do anything. Till I actually held an Uzi for a first time. <laughs> Jesus God, they're heavy. I didn't even fire it. I was just like, whoa. <laughs> I now understand why people are sort of just, just holding on to these things while, for dear life while pulling the trigger. <laughs> I think this is I like. We're, I'm assuming that because we have a lot of pe- a lot of listeners in America, um, uh, that they're they're okay with firearms, but that's obviously not the case. No, yeah. Um, but I mean, I've held a fair few uh, weapons in my time, and they are heavy. There's a lot of metal in there, um, so you pick it up, and you're expecting it to be reasonably light, but it's not. And I think one of the reasons is in movies and things like when you see these things being used, they're often props. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially if you're going to be running around with it, you see it bouncing around and doing that. Stuff. And it's just, it's an aluminium prop, or it's um, you know a, a polycarbonate that's been painted up. Yeah, um, you know it's it's a molded piece of plastic, so it's safe, so that that yeah. um, or bit or rubber, so that you can fall on it. Uh, you know when you fluff your, your lines and you you it's, it's it's also one of the major developments in firearms. You you know if you if you're into firearms and you're looking at sort of cyclic rates and accuracy and things like that, you don't know there there's a significant progression. From 80s to 90s to, to, to modern day. The real difference is in weight. Yeah. I held a, a P90, which, you know, was, was one of the standard prop weapons in, in things like Stargate and things like that. And it was the same day I held the Uzi. And it wasn't actually an Uzi. It was a Mac 10. So it's, I mean, even smaller than an Uzi. Mm. 
And, you know, the full-size bullpup rifle P90, way less than the little tiny machine pistol Mac-10. Hmm. Well, that's the that's, like, use of and, different materials. And just... And, and of course, the comfort and the ergonomics and, you know, all this kind of thing doesn't, doesn't, doesn't convey. And it's one of the things that sort of bugs me about a lot of rule systems is that modern weapons and modifications and things like that, there aren't a lot of rules. There isn't a lot of variation. It drives me absolutely batshit crazy that in Call of Cthulhu, a nine millimeter does the same damage as a 45. <laughs> that makes my brains boil. Um, but yeah, you just, you lose a lot. I mean, you lose a lot with swords, like we're saying about the, the quillens and the, you, the, the, the lightweight and all these things, but you lose so much with firearms too, because, because of the variation and, and uh. But see, see that, that, that issue there with the, the, the nine millimeter and the 45. <sighs> I would say, do you know what? You, you kind of got to stick with the rules. They decided on that. They probably were aware of it and they decided for, for game balance. Yeah. This is what we're doing. Um, they won't get people who absolutely worship the forty-five caliber round like yeah. I do for no particular reason. <laughs> There's a strange 45s. color in the forty-five, yeah. And, oh, and when you've shot them, you <laughs> understand. At the same time, I actually held one of the the prototypes for the nineteen eleven. It wasn't even a nineteen eleven. It was made about nineteen oh eight, and it was a prototype in development for the for for the for the nineteen eleven forty-five. Which, as soon as I move <laughs> to America, I am buying a nineteen eleven. That is like my my first thing that I'm doing. Um, but in those in that situation, for example, as a GM or as a player, I would be more inclined for the psychological effect of that weapon to be given more weight. Mm. Um, just as um, the louder the weapon is, the more of an effect it has. Um, I mean, uh, one of the, the, the amazing statistics of the, of the Second World War was people weren't shooting to kill. 98% of people when they were interviewed on 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 demob or or, or being um uh, demobilized from the army um on anonymous uh questionnaires said they weren't shooting to kill so they just didn't, they couldn't do it uh, and this this has happened throughout history like you, the, the the famous oh, rifles yeah. from Gettysburg that are just full of shot where someone raised the rifle didn't pull the trigger put it down loaded it again raised the rifle and just because we're not very good at making no. decisions to kill other human beings um, particularly at a distance, I, I, th- I find. I, I, it seems to me that, you know, when you look at medieval warfare and things like that, medieval warfare seems to desensitize people a lot more quickly. <laughs> you know, when you gotta, when you have someone who's in your face trying to bash your skulls in, it is sort of perhaps much easier to potentially sort of overcome and the psychological We're also talking hesitation. about, um, uh, whereas the guy at 200 yards yeah. is like, well, he's not personally going to kill me. <laughs> also, um, people assume that battles are bloodier and all that. Body counts in medieval battles are, are quite low. Terribly yeah, high, yeah. yeah. Also, um, most, most casualties occurred after a rout, didn't they? Yeah, um, and on the march, it was things like dysentery and lack well, of food. And, that, um, that was true until and, World in, War in the I. Italian Crusades, uh, not the Crusades, in the Italian uh, campaines where all the, the condottieri, the, the mercenaries going around, it was heat exhaustion. Um, they would just run around each other, trying desperately not to fight each other. Um, until they collapse. Until they collapse, yeah. So, um, uh, and you'd be rotating out of the fight and stuff like that. And it's more about reducing your enemy's fighting capacity than it is killing them. So, um, it, again, it's, it's movies that make us think, oh, yeah, people just get hit and killed and it's brutal all the time. No. Yeah. If, if, if that was the case, you know, everywhere a battle line met, they would just have a pile of bodies and then the successive sort yeah. of ranks would just have to climb on top of the dead. <laughs> Didn't work that way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You wanted to, to live to fight another day, um, and 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 people are individuals, and they will try and get out of a fight. But um, so 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 the idea of, of making a, a gun loud and making it 
and you have a bright muzzle flash and tracer rounds. People love tracer rounds in in um, in, in, in in militaries today, and and some of it, or quite a lot of it, is being able to to see where someone's shooting. But it also picks you out on the battlefield. It's that thing of um, eye contact. You know, like mm. you're fighting someone, so you're staring in the eyes. I can see what they're doing. Well, they can see what you're doing as well. So don't. Um, which is what every fight manuscript and every yeah, you kind actual, of stare at the clavicle, don't you? Or just anywhere generally. Um, in fight, in the earliest fight manuscripts, people are, sh- are shown sort of looking slightly up. Um, that was probably more of a function of the fact that they were sat there being drawn for several hours. And went, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, and the Japanese call it Zanshin, leftover mind, and that sort of rubbish. I, I th- there is actually some very good reasons about uh, basal ganglia recruitment in the eyes. So, um, but it's not about that. Uh, so having a weapon that is big and loud and all that sort of stuff helps you dominate the battlefield. And what you're trying to do is get people to run away. You don't want to go in and kill people. You want to get positions. Yeah. If you're, um, and it's, this is it's one of the things that, that picks snipers out among soldiers is that they do the killing. Snipers' entire existence, entire function on the battlefield is death. Mm. They they kill every everything else on the field. Uh, with a possible exception of tanks, uh, which are essentially mobile unit sniper, you know, they, they are essentially snipers. They, they're, they're there to destroy enemy vehicles. Mm-hmm. With the exception of those two, everything else is dominance and intimidation. Artillery, uh, air power. You do, you want the positions to make sure your enemy can't fight anymore, or you, you want to break just the enemy, killing them. Yeah. Um, so or it's, it's, it's actually, depending on what you're doing, uh, more in your interest not to kill people. And this is something that if you take this home and say, and take this heart and say, look, this is how we're dealing with the firearms, that, that 90% of what you're doing with the firearm is psychological. Um, it is getting into someone's head and making them run or making them do what you tell them to do or anything like that. It's why police carry firearms. And even even over here, well, I suppose if if, uh, if you have brown skin, uh, they place a firearm <laughs> so they can shoot you while you're playing with a toy train. But um, say over here, um, we have police with firearms who are uh, who are sent to various places. Yeah, and some of them are supposed to be visible, and that's the point. They're just supposed to be visible. I think I was walking around uh, airports with MP5s, or more recently, to my great excitement, um, RG8s. I think they are. Mm. The, the the German styres with the with the plastic clear uh, clips. So uh, they're, they're just fucking intimidating. <laughs> it's like, hmm, I I'm doing nothing wrong. I have every right to be here. Uh, I don't even look like you know a terrorist other than the beard. Uh, <laughs> but when and yet I am subtly intimidating. <laughs> I was like, I I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. There's no instrument of death around. Um, I, I get I get uh, desensitized to it being around swords at the time. But yeah, someone wanders into because our our class is actually next door to a different venue that has um, Slimming World at, and so occasionally you'll get someone just turn up and go, "Oh, this is the wrong room." <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a load of people turn around with great big smiles on their faces, holding weapons. You're like, "Why do you look scared?" Oh, oh. Right. Um, so uh, I just thought, like, "Oh no, the place you want is over there," and I realise I'm gesticulating with a sword, and like, I shouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> So uh, it's how you approach this fight. In in RPGs, I think the biggest fault, and I am guilty of this as well in in the D&D campaign, is that all battles are to the death of a whole side. And it's not. Battles are for an objective. Mm. Um, There is a game called Anima Prime, which is free out there, um, where you set an objective 
for everything you want to do. So you set an objective if you're doing a like a skill challenge type thing. It's all the same stuff. If you're wanting to disarm a bomb or you're wanting to convince um, a village to join you or you're having a fight, you set the objective and the win conditions and you work towards that objective. You break down the stages towards that objective. So like you know, three enemy casualties or something like that. Yeah. And then that's the fight one and the other side runs. Exactly. Um, or you're looking at um, establishing a position from which they can't attack you or, or that, yeah. you know, uh, so get the high ground, or, you know, get the, co- get the cover of the high ground. So they're just going to go, never mind then, let's go home. Mm. So as, as DMs, it's too easy to go, do you know what? It's all about murder hoboing and um, all, all <laughs> this stuff's going off. Murder hoboing. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe the players want to do that. They want to blow off some steam. They want to kill some stuff. Yeah. And, okay, and I mean, within most, particularly fantasy settings, there's per- perfect justification for that. Yeah. You know, skeletons with swords aren't going to run away. They're they're magical. They're artificial creatures. That is precisely they the have reason to be beaten into I, dust. I decided on a cult um, because if anyone's going to fight the burger, it's going to be a cult. Yeah. So they're convinced of the eternal reward. Yeah. And, so, and forty, the same with forty k. I mean, in vast majority of situations, you're fighting nut jobs, but. At no point, and this this is behind the DM screen. At no point in any of our D and D stuff, certainly, um, has there been a stage where it has been the only way you're going to get out of this is by fighting and continuing to fight, even right up until the last blow is struck. Mm. You can always end it without further application of violence, um, which has never been anything any of my characters have at all been interested in. But I always play. Yeah. I, I would, I would happily um, find a, a fantastic role in in the in the the whole uh, saga for someone who had fuck tons of weapons and was really good at fighting, but never killed anyone. Because you don't have to. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we need to talk about your new character. So, okay, firearms. Right, let's do a bit of brainstorming about how you could use a firearm in combat, but not. Um, in a classic way, or out of combat to help yeah. you in some way. Firstly, from, from what I'm thinking is, um, let's say you've got a long arm, you've got um, a, a long rifle or something, you have a stick. Yeah. And if you have a stick, you have a lever. So um, I'll, well, I mean, I'll do the video on this. The only reference I can <clears throat> think for this, which is kind of sad, because it means I have to admit that I've seen this movie, but the weapons drill in the Tomb Raider movie where she's got the... Um, what is it? The World War One British rifle. I should know the name of that. I've made wooden versions of it. <laughs> uh, so should I, because I actually own the American equivalent, which is a. It'll, a, it'll a come World back War to me as soon as we stop recording. Which is the original thirty out six. Um, Lee Enfield. Oh, Lee Enfield. Yes, he's, she's got the Lee Enfield, and it's she like does seven foot. Yeah. Not it's, quite. It's it's five. Oh no, sorry, it's, I'm it's four or four and a half foot. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a big thing. But it's, you stick a, a bayonet on it though. It's... Yeah, and she does a whole sort of uh, you know twisty turny combat, basically um, spear drill with yeah. it, and engages in combat. You know, because she doesn't have any ammunition. This is this is like a the, museum piece. The fencing, the and fencing she's just beating the crap that time, out of people. That there are there's a, there's a whole um, range of fencing manuscripts from that period. And it's saber, um, it's epee because dueling, you're an officer, that sort of stuff. But it's saber, epee, and bayonet, mm. and you're expected to know how to fence the bayonet. And fencing with the bayonet as as an Olympic sport type thing existed up until very, very recently, and they stopped doing it because it's hard to do safely. 
really, oh. and it's very hard to sportify um, because the whole idea of bayonet is you're putting your entire body weight into things. Yeah, but you've got a stick, and people talk about the you've one got end. a pointy end on one end and a club on the other yeah. end. <laughs> but you've also got the bit in between. Yeah, and the bit in between isn't just the bit you get a hold of, whatever. Like if someone, uh, if I was holding just a stick, okay, say say a walking stick, whatever, and I had it in both hands, and someone tries to grab it with one hand in the middle of it. That wrist is getting broken. That is a that is a thank you, dear God. Thank you so much for this gift you have given me of your arm. If and if they pull back and bend their arm, well, I'm taking out your elbow, you know. And if they are really quick and pull me right in towards them and sort of going to pull me off my feet, it's like forehead, two nose. Yeah, and thank you for your shoulder. I'm going to take that as well. Thank you, and I'm just going to start ripping. And um, it's as simple as paddling. If you can paddle a canoe, you could fight with a stick. Uh, mm. At close quarters, uh, and 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 you using that that weapon um, with all of the length of it uh, is something that was very much recognised as something you should do. Mm. Um, you know that that um, the, the shaft that is between your hands, the barrel um, has a lot of weight in it, has a lot of stability in it, and it has also a pretty small surface area. That's going to do pretty well if you just crack it in someone's face. You don't have to take a big swing with a, the club end of it. You don't have to um, sort of point, you know, get it on point and, and maneuver yourself. Well, you can just twat someone with it just by pushing forward with your fist. And I do think most games I've ever played really undervalue blunt force trauma. <laughs> yeah. So quarterstaffs are almost always shit unless you have some sort of weird feat. Uh, maces are okay, but you know, there's always this assumption that you know just just twatting someone doesn't really work. <laughs> yeah, blunt force trauma tends to actually rend muscle underneath it. Like it's as if it's been cut badly, yeah. and it's 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 more disabling uh, in the very short term than than piercing damage. Because you know when you get stabbed, it, it, it takes a couple seconds for you to sort of tweak. <laughs> yeah, you get stabbed as well. Um, uh, things tend to muscles tend to close around the wound, depending so, upon the shape of the blade. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, um, but if you uh, blunt force trauma. That's tends to shock, yeah, it tends to shock the muscle and it makes it relax. And and this is why 45s are better than 9mm. <laughs> 45s have that extra weight that it, it's a slower bullet, it's a heavier bullet, it has a bigger surface area, and it tends to do a lot more trauma. Whereas 9mm tend to be a piercing blow, mm. so particularly if you're hopped up on something. So you're more likely to be able to disarm someone. So, for example, that 9mm versus 45 issue, you would allow someone to disarm, to shoot someone and say, well, it's sh- it shot them. You're missing out on that damage, but there's a good chance that it'll disarm them as well because it'll you know, hit their pectoral muscle, for example, um, or, or go into the shoulder. And that arm is just going to go Ugh, for a second and they're going to lose control of the weapon. Yeah. So, I mean, it'd be interesting to figure out mechanically. I was thinking in real life, um, the FBI uh, switched largely to 45s. Um, because they dealt with drug dealers so much and people would be massively high. Mm. And, you know, they'd get hit five or six times with nine millimeters. They'd keep fighting. They'd keep shooting. Yes, 35, 30, 20 seconds later, they would just, you know, oh, I, I yeah, realized they died, realized they were dead and fall down, whereas 45s would actually disable them. Yeah. They'd actually knock them on their ass and the, it would be an interesting... You know, there's a response they can't, they can't yeah. mediate through. They would die from shock. It would in, the forty-five round would induce shock, whereas the nine millimeter round would not. Mm. Um, but anyway, I, in, in game mechanics, I'm not entirely certain how you sort of convey that, other than flavor. No, I, I, I would I would totally um, go with that and say, look, someone's brought specialist knowledge to me. So, well, 
do you want to have that chance of um, producing a stun effect, for example, stun them for a round, mm. um, or um, a producing effect whereby it would disable a particular part of them? Um, I would also uh, allow for for disarm that sort of stuff, um, be that flavor or not. But say, well, do you want to sacrifice some of the there's the raw damage for these effects? And I think that's all or the accuracy. Say so you've got a bigger round; it's harder to control, so your aim has got to be better. That sort of stuff. So um, you're going to have to pay for it. The, the, the payoff in real life is is, is a 45 pistol has eight rounds. A uh, nine millimeter can have 15. Yeah, <laughs> that's where you sacrifice. Yeah. In, ter- in terms of the game mechanics, you'd have to look at it and say, well, they've obviously figured out that this is a balanced game mechanic. Or hopefully they figured hopefully out, they figured figured out. it's a balanced mechanic. So you're going into a situation where you're modifying things. And this is where Megan from Modify Podcast is going to be screaming at me. This isn't how you do it. Um, <laughs> sorry, Megan. Um, it is, uh, you, you've got to, you've got to pay for that in the rules. You, you can't just say, I want this benefit because I understand this from the real world. Understand you're playing a game. And that has balance. And you're messing with that balance, yeah. so you've got to give something. So back. you can go from like, I mean, I guess with the 45. I mean, again, this is this this breaks reality, but a simple way to do it would be um, if you get semi-auto burst with a nine mil with a 45, you you get the benefit, but you sacrifice a semi-auto burst yeah. for recoil and stability. Mm. Doesn't work that way in real life. <laughs> don't write me hate mail. <laughs> uh, but of course, we don't have firearms training yeah. i would love to introduce a skill which is just, just just firearms training so you can be accurate and all these other things but they, then you have specific abilities and you get to level it up because there's so many cool things you can do with guns i can fire <laughs> quite accurately single fire i would i would look at weapons, I, would, I would look at that sort of stuff as um oh i, I wouldn't attempt you would, it, you would yeah. buy you'd buy a feat type type of thing yeah or if in fate you would have an aspect of your character that was this thing um so that you could you, you could invoke that to, to get your bonuses um but i'm a fan of less extensive skill lists and more tricks uh yeah. more, more stunts more tricks that you can do rather than like here's a massive list of uh, skills. Things that gives me little bonuses on stuff I do all the time. Yeah, because the bigger the skill list gets, the worse your character is going to be generally. Because yeah. um, you, 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 there's too many things that you're not going to be good at. So, uh, what about? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of things like uh, we're, we're going to leave the the exotic ammunition out of it. I think. I don't think if you want oh, exotic oh. ammunition, you you read. You, you play Dark, Dark Heresy. Heresy. <laughs> uh, all it of these are so complicated. Yeah. I mean, I love Dark Heresy for so many things. And I hate DMing Dark Heresy for so many things. Mm. All the different kinds of damage, all doing different things is very fun. But God, it's crunch and slow. And I mean, there's, we, we almost got it down in our game because I literally like I, I had a booklet and it was like, here's. You have the damage tables. Yeah. So you're in charge of damage tables. You're in charge of the rules of this. You're in charge. But, you know, it was, it was like a group DMing because yeah. there was just so much knowledge. And I mean, I'm sure there are people out there that can just memorize all the stuff and can remember off the top of their heads. Oh, you now have, you know, rending damage causes bleeding, causes this, causes that. And it's like, oh, that's cool. And mm-hmm. it, and it, and it rationalizes why you would use a chain sword sometimes instead of a power sword. Mm-hmm. 
one of the things I love about Dark Heresy. Just because it costs more and it's rarer doesn't mean it's better in every situation. You know, and, and I, as a sword person, don't have a problem with whole chainsaw things. It's so batshit insane. But, it's batshit insane. It's just cool. Yeah, you can't argue with that. It's like, I'm having mad. <laughs> 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 so uh, uh, let's let's have a think about um, one of the things I think w- when you talk about firearms and you talk about swords, you talk about any kind of weapon. Is I think weapons are undervalued in games because they are characters. They are part. I mean, my you know my my monk guy. Mm-hmm. So much of that character, all the bits that I like about that character, certainly are bound up in the gross gross Kriegsmesser. In the Kriegsmesser, I yeah. love that fucking sword. I love the character mm-hmm. of it. I love how it flavors my guy. Uh, I just that 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 mm-hmm. character was basically built around me watching a video <clears throat> of. Someone talking about this, you know, this 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 sword that's made by um oh I can't remember the, the Albion? maker Albion yeah and it's just like I just want someone with that yeah hi Scalagrim he's talking about you <laughs> uh, I just want that <laughs> and that's you know the, if we, with all of my characters how I'm armed and how that portrays my personality and how that looks in my mind is so much you know I had a character in in Dark Heresy. Again, we're talking about the subtlety thing. He was all about, I mean, he's a very imposing character, trench coat and all that, very, very matrixy. But all you know, armed to the fucking, this guy had like six guns on him and knives and swords and everything. It was all hidden. And it was all spec to the rules. And it was all about the ammo. I had a, uh, a game, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's essentially an MPK is the way I imagine it. But it, it was spec'd out. So I had like ammo select. So I had, it has this thing with three clips and it would, I could flick a switch and it would go, and it would change the clips. Mm. So I got a different ammunition. Then I had another <laughs> character that was just Judge Dread, and again I had the same thing. It was just so easy to build Judge Dread in. It was, it was, it was Judge Dread. It, it had the switch ammunition, and then I put it just completely pointless game mechanics wise. But I had a voice activation thing on it, so I could say explosive, bleeder, executor. <laughs> it was, you know, that was that was so much of my character was bound up in how I was armed. So if you um, go back and listen to, and this is this is what I did for Silver Willison um, in back back in the day when uh, we played D anD D with Howie Roll, was the, the the gnome with the two hundred sword, yeah, yeah. and it wasn't a two hundred sword for a gnome; it was a two hundred sword, full stop. Yeah. Um, if you'll notice, I don't hit anything with the blade until right at the end. The big boss. We're fighting the demi lich or whatever the fuck it is, or the just the floating skull thing. I don't hit anything with a blade. Everything is done kind of like you know scooping it around and using it as a platform and lots of stuff because that's his personality. It's he's the weapon. The sword is the thing he uses to actuate it. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so I always found that interesting about your characters. You have this sort of non-violent thing, is and I always approach these games. I mean, maybe it's a bit two-dimensional, but I either play. I mean, it's one of the things I enjoy about Call of Cthulhu is it's really not about um, the violence, which is fun, but when I play almost any other system, I am the violent. I am the I am the violence. <laughs> Episode title. <laughs> what was I playing recently? Uh, oh yeah, the Star Wars game. It's just like, nah, yeah, I'm just gonna kill everything. <laughs> I'm gonna kill things, yeah. and that's you know I, I like the other aspects of the game, but I I, I don't know I I, I like. So, bringing the violence. So something that that happened when we were playing through the scenario with Biddy like ages ago, just me and Adam um, doing the dry run through that is uh, the blasters 
because it gave you all these things of like, okay, you get success and advantage. What's, what's all those sorts of things? And so we're like, mm. right, okay. So we were using things to shoot parts of the, the scenery to to make things happen um, because we couldn't think of like, oh, we're, we're shooting something. Maybe something completely unrelated happens. Like in our heads, we had to relate it to the act we were doing, which isn't actually true. It could just be something random happens. Yeah. But um so we were shooting out all sorts of crap like um you know you miss but you get loads of advantage or okay well I blow the uh, the corner out of this um this building here and it all the the dust sort of flies into people's eyes or whatever it creates a yeah. bit of a I shoot the I shoot the the, the halogen lamp above him and all the yeah and uh, the, mercury the, gas comes yeah, down and, and the <laughs> awning falls on them, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um so you can use it to destroy uh bits and pieces around around the the environment. I think to be honest that's been done to death. That people yeah. understand you can destroy parts of the environment. Um, but <clears throat> how about, um, and, and for me, it comes back to melee, but also like using a rifle uh, as a brace for various things. So, for example, if you're trying to open a door uh, and you don't have a crowbar, well, yeah. you do have a large piece of metal. In real life, would I mean, be- it, would it, would it works. Be- would it bend the damn thing? Maybe, and that it's, it's the kind the of thing. Yeah, it's the kind of thing you, in real life, you do not do unless it is a matter of life and death. Mm. And the first thing you do, it's RPGs. It's all about life. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you know, it's like hmm, there is no way we're shooting our way out of this shit. <laughs> like, get the fucking manual cover open, and then it's the literal apocalypse. Get and the next time you use that gun. There, there should be some sort of mechanic for for a five percent or a ten percent chance it'll blow up. Yeah, or, <laughs> or just banana the the, the barrel. Um, barrel's never banana. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the MythBusters episode. Yes, so, so have I. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it works. Like I said, it's very bad at it. particularly, 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 particularly the more modern the weapon. Yeah, the more modern the weapon, the more finely calibrated the barrel is to being strong enough and heavy enough to reliably shoot this ammunition a lot. Yeah. And no more. Uh, with mm. older guns, less of a problem, particularly if there's like a wooden stock along mm. the length of it and the wooden stock is taking a lot of the strain. Yeah. Uh, then that that's considerably safer. Um, but here's the thing about, you know, that the, the issue of like, where you go and put your finger in a barrel or whatever, yeah. is you and I, no, that doesn't work because we see Mythbusters. The person in the game on the other end of that weapon might not know that. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got maybe you've got a bluff check, you know yes. what I mean? Um, or like convincing someone their safety's on, and so they look, and so you punch them. You know, kind of, um, but uh, like some of my favourite stuff is, um, is is from spoofs and things like that, where it's like, okay, so uh, or the Naked Gun, for example, where they're shooting and they 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 run out of um, ammunition, so they throw the gun and they pick up another gun and they shoot it and they throw that and they ever tinier <laughs> weapons, they throw these tiny tiny weapons. Yeah. Um, but for example, um, if you're going to throw your gun at someone, people would say, "I am using this weapon," so the weapon is the thing that does the damage. And so you throw your weapon at someone. Okay, it does you know one d two bludgeoning because it's, yeah, it's, it's a rock. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. The thing is, um, it, it, in martial arts, going back a very long way, there was lots of improvised thrown weapons. Hmm. Um, I mean, I've, 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 I've said it before, but like there's a, a dueling situation where you're in plate armor. You've got a spear, a poleaxe, a longsword, and a dagger. And the idea is, you throw the spear, you throw the poleaxe, you throw the sword, you close in, and 
he bats these the opponent bats these things away but by the time he's got through the last one like the, the long sword he's in a really bad position so you fall on top of him pin him to the ground and then at your leisure bring your dagger out and go for the soft bits um, but the same will be true for a, a gun and what I tell my students when I say you can throw weapons and it's fine uh, in sparring but you've just disarmed yourself mm. you've got no protection you've got no attack capacity so what you do is you are chasing it in the air like it's wake in the air is where you are um, so you throw it, they're probably going to defend themselves against it, or even if they don't, it's only going to give them a momentary little second, where, where, or a quarter of a second, where they are like, oh, right there, and startled for a moment before they get their shit back together again. But if you strike in that quarter of a second, yeah, then you've got a free strike. It's, you know, you strike with advantage or whatever. So you throw this thing and charge up. I don't care how you want to make that work mechanically. You can do it. It's fine. It's fucking cool. Yeah, probably like uh, in in Star Wars or, or Dark Heresy for that matter, be a half action throw, and then a melee or a grapple with advantage. Yeah. Just because you have to order in a certain way in terms of your your a plus round, twenty bonus in Dark Heresy or a bonus die yeah. in them. Yeah, I mean it can all, all happen simultaneously. If you want to run and shoot, you can do that. It's just yeah. you're spending it at the same time. Um, so uh, but you break it up mechanically and yeah, um, just just to, for your accountancy. So. Um, again, it's the, the idea of having a stick is interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, and you have a stick that's reinforced with metal. And it's a stick that's reinforced with metal and has a balance that's that's wrong for a stick. It's all, it's all at the far end, you know what I mean? It's not... Dark Heresy does, does sort of address this because all long weapons are with... If they're equipped with a bayonet, they're considered a spear. Without bayonet, they're considered a quarterstaff. So it does have rules for all long all long weapons. Yeah, all long guns. And that's that is a really good way of specking it out. It's a really good way of specking it out, and um, it's pretty effective, particularly if you if you get if you get a, like a, a decent you know like mono edged bayonet on there. That 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 that's a you know it's it's a mid range melee weapon there, hmm. which is about as good as you can expect. So um, things like uh, if you are, are going to attack someone with a, a bayonet, for example, then uh, and especially in a grapple, all that kind of stuff is. You've got a pretty long shank. I mean, modern bayonets are quite short, but back in the day, they were like eighteen inches, maybe two feet. Yeah, I mean, they were they were, they were quite Huge. useful short swords when they weren't yeah. attached to the. Uh, that's when I said, I said Lee Enfield, isn't that? So like seven foot long. The actual the example I made was five and a half foot long because it included the bayonet. Yeah, I used um, to have one of those. Mm, uh, they're, they're huge. So it uh, and it's there to give you that bloody reach, but because. Um, it's always a good idea for your opponent to be a very long way away. <laughs> so um, you've got you've got this um, this idea that you've got this long stick and a long lever. If you bayonet someone, the first thing in your mind, generally speaking, in bayonet training, is but do it again, do it again, keep doing it again. Surely um, twist. Well, there is that. Is is put it in, twist. wrench it, you wrench it up and back. Yeah. So you're you're setting up the twist and uh, getting it in. So you're going from high to low. All the time, um, yeah. so that as you wrench it back, you're coming up and opening that wound. But uh, I don't know how they do it these days. But that's how they did it in World War Two. Um, so what you've also got is a control point on someone. You've got them pinned. So let's say um, you don't go in and ram in the belly or something like that. Is maybe you're going for the arm? Maybe you're going for the shoulder so that you can turn them around. Yeah, <clears throat> and you can control their arm. Um, so, uh, for example, you, you sort of go somewhere in a gut shot or whatever, their legs are probably going to stop working and, and drag you down and all that sort of stuff. 
Um, this is how I would how, how I would balance it for the, for the GM. If you go in and, and, and pin someone in the shoulder, you're probably going to be able to move them around a lot. You're a long way away from their center of gravity. They're probably not going to hit the deck um, unless they really go into shock. Um, and you've got them uh, a, a good leverage point, essentially. There's a lot of pain yeah. that's going to happen. There's a lot of motivation for them to do what the fuck you tell them to do. <laughs> but if you gut check someone and stab them through the gut, they're probably going to lose their legs under them. Um, especially if it goes through the spine and that sort of area. But like, you, you, you go into the gut, people are going to go into shock and collapse. And if you're allowing someone to control someone with a, a, a spike or whatever and just move them around, which is awesome because they can become your meat shield and all that sort of stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> Envisioning shotgun with, with things like, gotcha, you know, stab them through the, through the shoulder, move them around. Specifically. Gets riddled with everyone else. <laughs> then you fire the shotgun to clear them off your bayonet. You exactly. go for the next one. Especially the offset bayonet where it actually dips down a little bit rather than coming up. Um, yes. Uh, or going straight in line with the barrel. Um, so the offset bayonet, so you can still shoot over their shoulder. Or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> keep going, bam, bam, bam. Um, <laughs> but if you get someone in the wrong place and they drop, then they are likely... Your weapon is entangled at the very Yeah, least. exactly. You know, if it doesn't wrench it out of your hands, you're certainly, you're pointing it down. You know? you're, you're, you're spending a half action clearing your weapon. Exactly. And, and all the sort of shooting them in the gut isn't going to help you. You have to no. get your foot on them and you know, and go for it because their muscles will tighten around that wound. And that's one of the reasons in, in, in a lot of RPGs that uh, blunt weapons, maces, and hammers are undervalued. <laughs> because we, we've covered this a lot. Yeah, we have covered oh, that God, a lot. yes. Uh, blunt weapons are good. Blunt weapons are good. Um, Cussive force through armor. <laughs> mm-hmm. It hurts. I, I, I just, I'm there. doing some mace training in, in, uh, in half plate, and, and a blow got misplaced. Went out, didn't went past my shield, and the hammer hit my arm, which was covered with plate and mail and padding. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And this was a training. Arm, this was a pulled training. Your blow. armor is designed to um, disperse that force. The hammer is designed to concentrate it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Generally speaking, the armor will win because you didn't lose your arm. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was very much a case. Of, the armor still won, but yeah, you just give news bad news. It hurt. Yeah. You know, one of those across the noggin doesn't matter how much armor you're wearing that it hurt. Mm. So um, there's also a thing about like the game balance. Like if you're uh, in, in a, a medieval setting and someone has a firearm, suddenly everyone goes, "Oh my god, this is so much more." Um, you know, we we, have, we, have, we this is so much more powerful. So we have to curtail. The amount of damage it does, or, or like the, or it does loads of damage, but it's uh, it's really unreliable. It's an arquebus or something like that. Yeah, like, that bullshit. Fuck it. You're allowed to have those things because if someone shoots you with a nine millimeter, okay, it'll make a a, a mess in the front of you, but yeah. it'll, it might shatter inside you. It might bounce around a little bit. Um, it'll certainly tumble through you. Um, certainly a long. Less so with nine mils, but yeah, yeah. So, certainly a, um, a, a slug that's quite long and slow will tumble as it goes through you, and that's where the damage comes in. Yeah. But you're still talking about a finite sort of um, corridor of damage. If I put a longsword through you, <laughs> it's going to cause about the same sort of damage. Yeah. Um, and certainly like a rapier, for example. I would, I would um, say a rapier is probably the equivalent of a 9mm. Um, I would say... Um, Maybe a little bit neater, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, there's the, also the option of ram it up to the hilt and shake it around a bit. Yes. But then there's, then there's semi also. So <laughs> checks and balances. And so I don't see that there's this massive difference going on. Um, no, particularly when you talk about reload speeds for anything prior to anything prior to a bolt action. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I would, revolvers I would, came around. I would give a revolver 
in a in a in a fantasy setting, I, I'd be absolutely fine. A, with that. a mini ball revolver, sure, because they they were actually pretty puny. Yeah. because you can fire more than one round a, a more than one shot per round, um, yeah. per game round. So, but you're going to have so much crazy penalty on your to hit roll for that because you're you're going bam 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 bam. We're going bam click bam click bam click. Yeah. Unless you've had extensive, you've poured XP into that. You have, unless said, you're a trick shooter, yeah, yeah. I've, I'm, I'm skilling my character in this specific way, which means I'm shit at other things in the game. I am fine with that. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it wouldn't be that that OP compared to an archer. Yeah, and you talk about um, a fifth edition fighter might get three, four attacks in a round, and like a, a two, mm. a, a double uh, weapon wielder in one round at say sixth level might get up to. What one, two, three, four, five attacks in a round with, um, say, an axe, yeah, or a longsword. Completely unrealistic, but if you if you just have the the pistol be a little bit more you know, realistic. I've, in six seconds, I've seen someone pull off that that amount of attacks, and he was fucking insanely good. Yeah, um, I mean that's the difference. Is you are playing epic characters, as in real life. I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that that he, yeah. he is the equivalent of an yeah. epic D and D character. Literally, everyone around went. Huh. <laughs> like a hundred trained swordsmen just all sitting back on the hills and go, okay. <laughs> right. Not sparring with that dude. Yeah. Um, interestingly, he's a swordsmith and he just fucking wailed on me. Anyway, um, so, uh, I, I, I don't see that game imbalance. I, th- I see that more as a case of it's how things have been portrayed in movies. Um, you know, like arrows will go through plate armor. No, 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 no. Can we stop? Stop that. No, they don't. Fuck it. They don't. They go into high bits powered, where the plate armor isn't. And high-powered bodkin arrows will pierce some plate under good circumstances. I mean, it's kind of a 50-50 You would have shot. to have... It's not even 50-50. I would say you've got a 1% chance of it making a dent. I'd say you have a 0.1% chance of actually hurting someone in that armor. I've, I've seen it happen in, in archery demos. In an archery demo. Yeah. When they set it up to do that. I mean, I knew the guy doing the demo. It was, it was, it was <coughs> what happened to the plate? It was like a really expensive chess piece, but something had broken on it that just made it worthless. And he's like, right, this is now for Archie demos. <laughs> and he had that on top of the plate. And I mean, yeah, it was, it was close range with a 90, 80, 90 pound pull longbow and a bodkin yeah, arrowhead. But, and it's something he's done over and over again. He's, he's set yeah. up for it. And like, it's, you've got to, and that was maybe the one time it happened, kind of thing, because otherwise you'd have seen it full of holes. Um, if that was his demonstration piece, kind of thing, and it, it really is rare for that to happen. It really is so rare. And that what's more uh, more likely is well, for it one hits. thing, you're not you're not you're not shooting things at twenty paces. Exactly, <laughs> you're shooting. You hope not. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's more likely to hurt someone if it hits well, a part of their armor and then that skips unhorse them. Yeah, it sort of skips up into um, a part of them that's not armored or is, is lightly armored, uh, like the joints and various things. Um, Which isn't that one of the reasons crossbows were such a major uh, innovation? Is we had like 120, 140 pound uh, pull crossbows yep. that could actually finally really. I've seen do one that, significant that damage to, assume, to armor. I've seen a, um, a breastplate that people assume um, is a result of cannon fire, but it's not. It's a crossbow. It's, <laughs> it is. It is literally banana peeled. Um, with a hole about two inches in diameter. Cool. Um, in the Royal Armouries in Leeds, and it is fucking insane. But they reckon that was maybe like a 400 pound draw weight bow. 
Right. So yeah. that was a that was an emplaced <laughs> semi ballista. Yes. <laughs> Not. <laughs> I mean, it's still man portable, but you've got to have a windlass to crank it up yeah. and stuff like that. And you're more likely to. This is where tower shields come from. Is you would hide behind a big shield. You basically it's on a pole. You would put it in front of you, and then you would have somewhere to hide while you're doing that. That's what a tower shield is. Stop doing fucking tower shields as man portable yeah. things. Um, and if you have a tower shield, that's how you fucking fight. We'll do shields at some point. Oh, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do shields. I love shields. Um, and, and why bigger is not necessarily better. But the, 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 yeah, use, using that sort of thing. And it was all, it was putting a lot of power into the hands of someone who didn't necessarily need to be well trained. Yeah. It, which is the whole point of firearms. That's, it, that, yeah. that was the advance of firearms. It's like, um, up until I can't put a century on this. When were the Jacobean revolts? British with a plug bayonet. Same period. So British armies, uh, you know, equipped with firearms. 18th century, sorry. Were just, just getting butchered. <laughs> just, just slaughtered by, you know, guys in dresses with claymore, with, uh, not claymores. Um, yeah, claymores. Yeah. Claymore, uh, by the way, means big sword. Does it? And thus has, um, yeah, uh, clay, uh, clay the more, uh, uh, the, the more means big. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, claymore, it's, claymore. So, so, so the design of claymores has changed fantastically uh, over the years because what they classed as a big sword at any particular time changed. Huh. Anyway, so, yeah. so, so guys in you know Kurtz, uh, uh, kilts and claymores were just butchering uh, highly trained, you know, not highly trained, but you know, very well equipped with the most modern weaponry because swords were still better. <laughs> the difference is, is is those you know those those uh, those Highlanders. Would have been training with those swords since, you know, pubescence. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, British Army is just like, okay, just, just grab a load of peasants, put a gun under your hand, give them three weeks training and march north. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that was the, that was why the longbow eventually sort of well, it was, was eclipsed by firearms. Longbow's lifetime discipline, mm. you know, not as good as any gun. The, um, up until, woof, 19th century, easy. In, in terms of the Jacobean revolts, actually, very specifically, it was down to shields as well, the Taj, they were using, because they could clear the bayonet out of the way and then go and strike. The way in which um, we ended up, um, or the English ended up, say we, I'm Yeah, laughing, you, you stabbed the guy attacking your neighbor. Yeah, you, you, is that, that everyone was trained with bayonet drills to go forward. Then they stopped and said, right, you do it at a 45 degree angle now. And we fucking massacred them because their tactic was to move your bayonet to that position. You just go, okay, fair enough. I'm going to stab him because the guy next to me has got my back. Um, if you're I've, on the end, I've, I've read some, you're a bit screwed. Some, some quite <laughs> doubting reviews whether that yeah. whether it was just a psychological thing. It's like, that, oh, we have a new tactic. This is going to work, and everyone went. Okay, we won't just run away then. <laughs> yeah, it's also the idea of someone going, "Oh, someone's thought about this, and they're doing a new thing." And like, okay, so you get you, you get the morale from yeah. that. But anyway, um, but yeah, did, did, did no one digress. think about the guy at the end? Who's <laughs> That's thinking, exactly what I who's, was thinking. Who's got my um, shit, guys? <laughs> yeah. um, so, but also like the guy on the end of the shield wall. Do, 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 do. Poor Hamish. <laughs> yeah. um, so, like, okay, uh, how would you use a firearm out of combat then? Like really briefly, let's let's throw it out there. You've out got, of combat, you've got a pistol, you've got um, an automatic pistol. How are you going to use that out of combat? What would you do uh, utility-wise with that? Or how could you trick it out to do, to make you more useful? So my immediate thought is to take part of the the stock 
part part of the the um the the, the hilt, the handle rather, whatever, and guns. Yeah. Um, and yeah, a, a lot of that's going to be hollow for accepting the um clips, the clip. But what about? Uh, oh fuck it, a revolver. It's got a solid a solid grip, hasn't it? Yes. So you can have a um a, a multi tool in there. You can do, yeah. Um, there are actually quite a few interesting examples of, particularly for long guns and you know sort of early combi- or early carbines. So when they're still sort of like shaped like a long gun, they're just smaller. Mm. Uh, stuff being incorporated into the butts. Uh, one of the more interesting yeah. and rare <laughs> examples. Butts. butts. Yeah. Uh, one of the more interesting and rare examples is um, a cavalry carbine. So it's a revolver carbine. Is it? No, I'm thinking of two different weapons. It's it's a simple single shot uh, breech loading carbine, the ones with the, the the wax cartridges. And I'm going to get this wrong, and someone's going to be angry. But anyway, I think it's the one that uses the wax shells. Um, do you know what that is? Yes. So instead of a copper shell, it'd be a, a waxed felt shell, essentially. So it's like a little bag, but it's stiff because it's waxed. Uh, cavalry soldiers would, would would constantly be destroying their weapons because they would be grinding their coffee with the, <laughs> with the butts of their rifle. So they so they wrap the, the the coffee beans in a little bag or a little piece of cloth and they bash it with uh, the butt of their rifles <laughs> and they're fucking destroying <laughs> these guns. Uh, so they actually incorporated a coffee grinder <laughs> into the butt. So you you'd pour your coffee Christ, beans in. You pour your coffee beans into. Yeah, I mean they're they're extremely rare now. They're worth like quarter million dollars. Uh, you, Pour the coffee beans in, and you you the little crank handle would sort of pop out, and, and so coffee and coffee would come out the end. This goes back to like one of our our first points is that you're not necessarily using a gun to kill people most of the time. You're using it for other things. So obviously they were using it to make coffee, yeah, far more than they're using it to try and kill people to shoot people. Hmm. I mean that is, I mean, if, again, it depends on what period you're talking about. Guns tend to be killing implements. I mean, there's not. It's like you wouldn't use a sword to chop chicken. You know, yeah. if you have a good sword, it, it, it it's way too valuable. I have used a seventeen ninety six light cavalry saber to cut a cake. Well, so well, actually, no, <laughs> we just posed it, didn't we? We didn't actually. I didn't actually put the sword in the cake. But yeah, uh, so out outside of you, outside of you, outside of combat, other than tools of intimidation, I wouldn't say weapons have a huge amount of of, of utility also, unless you spec it out. Really strangely, I think just the, for shits and giggles. Like I, I would use um, going for the Die Hard reference. I would use it as an anchor point for a lot of stuff. I mean, you've got a built-in grappling hook. You've got something there that's got um, as a, as a pistol. It's got a right that angle. That would be in very it. cool. Um, as a, a rifle, you've got a bit of length that you can prop things behind. Um, you might even have a tripod thing at the end of it, or bipod at the end of it. Uh, that sort of stuff. Um, you've got a scope, for example. Why the yeah. fuck wouldn't you keep that scope on you at all times? Well, you would. That that is very common. You know, you you have the scope and uh, snipe. You know, troops will not. You don't always want your scope attached to your rifle. It's one mm. of the things that bugs me about all RPGs. Is no matter what the situation, a scope is better. No, it's not. <laughs> I, I went hunting once, um, and I had a scope on my little twenty-two rifle. I was hunting squirrels. Yeah, but you knock that thing, and suddenly you can't shoot for shit. Well, you, there was you're that. relying on it being. But it's also just I see the squirrel, and for some reason. I hadn't been hunting the whole day. I'd been hunting with iron sights and mm. my, that rifle clogged needed cleaning. It was, you know, grandpa hadn't cleaned it in a long time. Couldn't use that one. So I took his, which had a scope on it. I see the squirrel lifted up to the scopes. Can't find the fucking squirrel. <laughs> it's like, 
Where is it? Okay, that branch. Yeah, you'll see on that uh, branch. This is the um, and and stupid scroll did stay still long <laughs> enough for me to find it, but it took me sixty seconds because you you switched your your perception, uh, your, your 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 field of view goes down to exactly, yeah. fuck all. Your your tactical awareness disappears and it's you're gone relying entirely on your center of focus which doesn't track movement very well and if you're moving the gun then by i suppose perspective shift it's the world is moving around you you're not tracking yeah. it well at all so you you can't orientate yourself very well unless you're thinking like oh, i can look out of this eye and then that eye and then it, uh, it doesn't it's, work yeah, it's really difficult. i mean maybe it works for people who have training and know what the fuck they're doing but generally speaking scopes are only for long distance precision so- shots you know, medium range, maybe. Uh, but again, movement, if, if they're moving around and you're not a trained sniper, you're fucked. So, uh, almost all combat soldiers will carry <laughs> their, their scope if they have one separately. And that's their binoculars. If you, know. you have no ammo and you're hunting and you've got a rifle, you've got a heavy thing, you have a weight. Would it be possible to use that as a deadfall trap? As the weight in the deadfall trap to, you know, for small game, things like that. Very small game. Yeah. I don't know why you can just use it's a rock. A, a but... Pine Martin or, or whatever that, you know, because the, the other option is you cut down a small tree and use that yeah. to get something of, say, five to six kilos or, worth of Or, or worth a rock. If you've got rocks or if you've got trees, yeah. depending <laughs> on where you've got. Um, you've um, lost a hand. But if you haven't got a hatchet, and Yeah, I mean, that... in, in a castaway kind of situation where um, that weapon will no longer be of utility to you ever again, mm. yes. But rain damage i would say damage. if you've got a, a wooden stock thing as well you've got a method of uh, if you've got a method of carving or method of leaving a message yeah I mean, you that's out of the, the box that's out of the box <laughs> most people i think would try and keep hold of the weapon no matter what but <laughs> yeah. if you're never going to find ammunition again for that weapon <laughs> like let's say in a fantasy world yeah a revolver drops out of the sky you're never going to find another bullet for that so at the end of it, you've got this this thing that people are going to hang on to for ages and ages and ages going, it's a gun, it's a gun, it's a gun. It's, yes, but it's fucking useless as, as that thing. Yeah. I mean, um, with with an automatic in that situation, you've got all kinds of fun springs and levers and, and little pointy bits of steel and all kinds of revolvers are way too simple to have anything useful, except maybe for the uh, most revolvers will have some most modern revolvers that the cylinder pops out to the side. So you'll have, um, I can't think of the word. Anyway, there's, there's, yeah, there's sort of a plunger at the end, and you pull that plunger out, and and the cylinder pops out. So you've got a spring and a long bit of steel in there. Uh, breech revolvers won't even have that. So the ones that like the old pepper pot. Yeah, you break the barrel. In. Not yeah, break the barrel. So those won't even have that. But, but automatics have all kinds of little bits and bobs of, of steel and and springs and uh, gaskets. If you've got a revolver. You have got somewhere to hide something. No one is ever going to check for that a thing that isn't a bullet. If it's yeah, it's bullet sized. Mm. So if you want to hide that little crystal thing, crystal thing, or, if you, or, or 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 if you're smuggling a secret letter, you roll it up. Yeah, a little bit of paper. No it. one is going to check that gun for that thing. No. In fact, a piece of paper as well because it would expand inside, and even if they were ejecting the cartridges and things, it wouldn't come out. No, it's small enough. Yeah, or just like tip it up and you're just put yeah, it in the barrel. Yeah, just it's just an empty thing. You know? um, and of course, in, in in automatics, you can actually remove the barrel. It's, it's a nice little self-contained cylinder, blowgun, nice rifled blowgun. Uh, Kobutan. In the way, Kobutan is a, a short stick or piece of metal that you hold in your hand and use it as a 
uh, a, a small sort of pressure point and uh, grapply sort of weapon because you can form a right angle that's very strong. Yeah, I mean, um, most automatics have like a four inch barrel, three inch. Um, yeah, four inch barrel. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you had a Desert Eagle, it'd be like six inches <laughs> and heavy as fuck. <laughs> if you had a decent glove, you could probably do some damage with that. You'd have to um, sort of stick it on someone and, and like a punch kind of thing. Use it maybe yeah. like a uh, through like 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 uh, holding your, your keys through your fist kind of thing, but sort of slam it in with a palm strike or something like that, and you could leave that inside someone. Yeah, pretty pretty well. Like if 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 they if you, if you certainly if you pulled up uh, pulled up the t shirt uh, and got some skin contact, then you could probably shove an automatic barrel through someone. Yeah, get it through the ribs. <laughs> Doctors, please write in. Let us know. Has this ever happened? I think is, is, as utility, what, what's often ignored about firearms is how much damage you can do to things you don't normally think of as being destructible by shooting. So the whole point of a firearm is you are applying extreme pressure to extreme impact. Um, is that kinetic energy? Yes. Extreme kinetic energy to an extremely small point. So while, yes, it is true, you will never make a car blow up by shooting it, you can very easily make sure that two miles later that car overheats. All you got to do is shoot the radiator. Hmm. Uh, similarly, with almost all heavy machinery, um, shoot the right bit and it will go down. The British Army's actually um, developed a gyroscopically stabilized 50 caliber, semi-automatic 50 caliber sniper rifle. That is capable of disabling tanks because it's gyroscopically stabilized. It can place five, six, ten rounds within a one square inch spot in the space of half a second, right at the seam between the moving turret. Mm. So right into the collar. So the moving turret and the rest of the tank. They can disable a sniper can now disable a, a fully operating tank turret because you're applying uh, repeat impacts in a tiny 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 little space they call it metal storm this thing have you ever heard of it it's it's the i have heard of it yes a million rounds a second um yeah or million rounds a minute rather yeah uh where it's you you load up the the bullets in inside the actual barrel they're stacked on top of each other and they're they're electronically electronically detonated yeah so it's caseless ammunition isn't it yeah yeah, of course (laughs) so also all flies out there's no there's nothing to to jam um all electronically uh, done, so it can be done in very, very rapid succession. And I think, um, the, uh, fair enough, you're not going to have a million rounds around. Uh, you might do. Uh, but you've got, uh, they have a pistol where you've got a barrel with nine rounds in it. And the idea is you can get three rounds through the same hole before the weapon will kick back. <laughs> so, so dead shot style. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. Impact. Which is a little nuts. It is um, a little nuts. So, but then the payoff for that is you can't carry spare clips and just like lose ammunition. You've got to have loads of different barrels because yeah. otherwise it's so long to, to reload these damn things. So your, your clip is the size of a, a standard yeah. clip, but it's your barrel. Now, you've if, if you're in a sci-fi setting, this was actually designed I, because it's it never got produced and it was, I don't know what degree of secret. I mean, I haven't really looked but I was looking at sort of just just for fun, googling caseless ammunition, and the U.S. military did did have a competition for all these major gun makers manufacturers to sell them caseless. Uh, In my head right now, all I have is 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 uh, you only live twice, and it's the Japanese 
really bad ninja spy thing where it's it's uh, rocket guns where they have rocket uh, rocket propelled bullets for no reason. <laughs> so bolters. Yes. Uh, no, I mean case ammunition is is simply instead of having a case, you have a solid block of propellant into which the slug is embedded. So there's no ejection. Mm. There's no clip. The, the clip literally just sort of gets sucked up into the rifle and then it's gone. <laughs> and then the end, so there's another way to be an arsehole as well because because that bullet or that casing rather that gets ejected out the side of your weapon is fucking hot. It's fucking hot. Yeah, I've gotten hit by I got hit by a spent casing. Yeah, that goes down your t-shirt. You are having a bad day. <laughs> I mean, it depends. I, I don't know. It's well, only ever happened that scene with in pistols. The Matrix where, where, where Neo is, is, fi- is firing this gun and he's yes. unloading that, that minigun outside of the, the helicopter. And it shows that beautiful shot of all the, the casings and the little linkages falling down. There is someone down the bottom of that street going, shit, 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 shit. <laughs> he's just got lots of little burn marks all over Yeah. <laughs> that and the miniguns that size are only fired from. Um, and you know, from vehicles, from vehicles uh, attached to vehicles, because the person standing where Neo was standing would have been cooked <laughs> by the blowback. Absolutely, <laughs> they yeah. were, you know, there there is a minigun that is man shootable, and it fires much, much, much smaller. It becomes ammunition. It becomes a, a propulsion device, really. At one point. point. But anyway, with with the case, if you if you wanted it in a sci fi setting, I've never seen this, but but they designed this, and it, and one of the things was, uh, you could set the clip up. They they had this little detonator. You could attach to it and turn it into a claymore. Hmm. <laughs> claymore mine. So that and was one of the utility they, things they, they had for clips. Them together like big sort of boxes of these things, where you could just let off literally a million rounds all at once, and it would just destroy a target. Well, yeah, the the metal storm, but this was this was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cases, so you just, just, you know, you can stick it in your, your bog standard assault rifle, or you take it out, take this little special made thing, clip it to it, put it down, and then beep, beep, claymore. <laughs> Automatic claymore. Excellent. Um, now that would be, you'd have to, you'd have to spec rules for it, because I've not seen, because no military or anything's ever, you know, caseless ammunition is still on the horizon. It is possible, uh, but it's not been done yet in any sort of mass production kind of way. It hasn't really filtered into games uh, in any way because, you know, people just aren't familiar with how it works. Mm. Uh, If it works, like I said, I haven't done a lot of research. I just sort of read, like, ooh, case this ammunition. This sounds interesting. Google, Google, Google. So uh, to wind it up, I'm sure there's there's tons and tons of people out there who've got a lot more experience with firearms than we have or are using them in in RPGs than we have. Um, With... with, uh, Lots of stories on how they've used them in interesting ways, and I would absolutely love to get that because I can tell you a million and one ways to, to use a sword. Straps. <clears throat> we haven't talked about rifle straps. We haven't, and so I want people to uh, get hold of me on Twitter at Soldnet Radio or uh, email in soldnetradio at gmail and give us your stories about weird shit you've done with firearms uh, yeah. in your in your games, and we'll we'll. If we get enough material, we'll read them out as yeah. a maybe even do a, a whole and talk about them. We'll, we'll yeah, talk about do them. a whole oh, do a cool. whole thing about them. Yeah, yeah. And, awesome. and if we think what you did was stupid and shit, we'll just publicly shame you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. So there's a limit of risk. It's <laughs> exciting already. So on that note, uh, I think we'll wind it up. Yeah, indeed. Cool. Thanks for listening, Dave and Paul from Sword Note Radio. Oh yeah. Before we get going, I want to. Before we get in, yeah. Before we get going, I want to give out. Yeah, yeah. 
Before we get going, I would like to... This episode is... This episode in the latest... This is the series where we sort... This is... This is a series where we muse about things that generally people take as single-use items. Swords. Yeah. This is... <clears throat> awesome. Let's do that. Nah, fuck okay. it.